Welcome to Will You Accept This Rose, a production of iHeartRadio. Oh, yeah. Wow. Who's feeling so horny after another round of boot cut jeans? Just got one little question here. Will you accept this rose? Is it made out of Legos and are you giving it to my child after swimming in denim with it? Then I guess I will accept that rose. And then I'm going to move to a Victorian home in the South and treat myself like a real lady. special brand new episode of will you accept this rose the three hour torturous watching experience with the glorious podcasting existence my name is arden marine coming to you from my very cute but very boiling garage somewhere in the city of los angeles hiding from covid with me today i'm gonna say We've never had a tribute episode. I am going, this is a tribute episode to our very first rookie of the year that we ever had, who uh, I'm, is a connector. I'm going to say that she she brings people together. She's, she's one of those people that Malcolm Gladwell would write about, like, so-and-so knows so-and-so, and so they connect through so-and-so. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Debbie Ryan, uh, star of Insatiable, was the first rookie of the year. I fell for her hard in Atlanta. We brought her into the podcast, and boy, was she a hit, and she'll be back. Don't you fret it. But I'm going to be real with you. I got to go to her very fun, super exciting wedding to the rock star that is a 21 pilot. I, I've never been cooler in my life. I'm not going to act like that's how I normally roll because it's not. But I'm going to act for here just like I'm going to act cool. Like, yeah, that's how I normally roll. And there I'm going to say it was a love fest amongst the guests. It turns out Debbie all of her friends are as sparkly and magic and individually wonderful and interesting as Debbie was. And I have never made more friends at a wedding and then gone and had a meal with them afterwards. We all hung out at Hugo's in West Hollywood in January, back when you could still see people, back when that was a thing that wasn't going to be dangerous. And uh, I got to tell you, these people love pop culture. One of these people actually watches the program. So I'm so excited to have her here. And two of these gentlemen were like, you know what? I love pop culture. I don't watch it, but I'm going to watch it one night and I'm ready to play. Here we go. Up first is a gentleman. This is a fancy group of people. This is a journalist, you guys. This is an editor at Time Magazine. So we've got some brains in the building. This person has two books out that I have read, and they are so wonderful. The first one is a memoir. It's called The Gilded Razor. It's amazing. And you know what? You guys don't know this because you've probably never heard this. This is the only podcast about grief and The Bachelor. (laughs) So we get real here. We talk about like real stuff. And we're not afraid of real stuff. I personally have had addiction in my family, and uh, and I'm familiar with that world. And I got to tell you, this this memoir, it's fun. It's an amazing read. It's a glorious coming of age story, and it's an open story about addiction. And I highly recommend it. It's called The Gilded Razor. You can order it wherever you order books. And he has a new novel out that I just read that I'm holding right here next to my book. Excuse me. Excuse you. Excuse me and excuse you. It's called Broken People. 
and I and I've actually again it's the only podcast about The Bachelor. I'm going to say and shame. Um, this book, it's it's such a great read. It just came out, and it's like it's fun. It's a blast. It's sassy, but it's also an incredibly heartfelt story. And one of the only works of writing I've ever read to me that spoke. I've thought a lot about shame. I used to have a lot of shame in my life. Um, I was my main operating system. Part of coming out of that is doing things like this and being with people that I feel comfortable around. And this book is so beautiful. Please, you should go order the bundle. Just go order the bundle. I'm sure Amazon's got some kind of a bundle. It's called Broken People. Ladies and gentlemen, how about that fucking intro? Sam Lansky. It's truly, I, I'm beyond honored. Like Arden, I, I truly want to carry you around and have you introduce me everywhere I go in life. I feel so gassed up. I've never felt more powerful. This is an absolute delight. And truly, like, I mean, I'm, I have not done a deep dive into Bachelor culture. And yeah. last night, every time Chris Harrison was like, "Okay, Bachelor Nation," I was like, "Wait, is that me? Am I Bachelor yeah. Nation?" Yeah. But for you, I would do that. For you, I am leaning all the way in. You're on a yeah. very, very short list of people who I am leaning into and and becoming a citizen of Bachelor Nation for. Yes, Cheryl Sandberg. Yes, I love this for you. And by the way, if you think, "Oh, he's fancy," this guy loves pop culture. That's what I'm makes- not that fancy. But not that's that what fancy. makes him so fun. Like that's what makes the books fun. That's what makes him a great like this. I love pop culture. This gentleman loves pop culture. And I'm so excited to bring you to suck you in so that by the end, you're like, all right, I'll watch the season. You just can't read the spoilers. You can't read ahead. I promise. I promise. Okay. I promise. Thank okay. you. I'm honored. Oh, my God. And you, I loved your book. I, I, Thank I, you so much. I'm so honest- excited to read yours. Oh my God, it's coming out. We'll get to, I'm such a hooker about that. That'll be, that's, you'll are, I'm going to make everybody read it. Can't wait. It's, as you, final question, it's hard to launch a book during a pandemic. Let's be real. Yeah, it wasn't great. It, yes, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. We, it can, wasn't we, can, my dream. we can sidebar about that later. Sidebar, yeah, it okay. wasn't like best case scenario, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We're going to walk through it so gracefully. Okay. Guess, guess what? Somebody else is an author. Somebody else is a, is a TV writer. Um, she's written for uh, New Yorker and Vanity Fair. She wrote for the game show on Quibi. Um, she also just sold a book. She's currently writing a book. God, God willing, this pandemic will be over before her book comes out. She's such a delight, so fun, and she does watch The Bachelor. She's about two years in. She is a wonderful, smart, fun person. Ladies and gentlemen, Jill Gutterwitz. Yay! Thank you. That was that is truly the nicest intro I've ever gotten. That makes me feel really good. I, when you said bachelor and shame, I thought those are all of my interests. Right? That's all of me. So yes. I'm really happy to be on the Bachelor and Shame podcast. With it's you a guys. safe space. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I've had so much anxiety in my life. I've had so much shame. And it's like just by telling the truth, be like, I want to be in my garage and talk about hairless people finding love. And I and I feel more accepted. That's what I want. I want to talk about that. Okay. Coming up next is a gentleman who I, when Debbie Ryan came to my hometown of Little Compton, Rhode Island, which you can read all about in my upcoming memoir. Guys, it comes out in September. It's a fucking pandemic. I, I don't mean to put pressure on you, but it's all on you. If I'm going to even sell four books, it's all because of you guys, Little Miss Little Compton. Debbie and I were flying back from Little Compton and we were on the plane and she 
pulled up her phone and she showed me all these YouTube videos. And she was like, you're going to, this is my friend. He's fucking hilarious. And she showed me video after video of a person I'd never met. Killed me. It made me laugh so hard. Look it up. Then the next night I'm at a screening and I'm like, oh my God, I like vision boarded it. And it was him. And I'm like, you're Debbie's friend. You're Debbie's friend. Um, he is an actor. He is a, he has a beautiful theater career. He is a comedian. Um, you know him from so random on the Disney channel. Come on. We've got iCarly. We've got, we've got Debbie Ryan. And now we have from so random. We have the full we have the full, full thing for you kids out there. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Scott Montgomery. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say that before you introduce all three of us individually, you, you described us as sparkly, magic, and I think interesting. So you're saying we're gay? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> I mean, it does kind of sound like that, but look at look how I'm living my life, you know? I, That's true. I, I would I would like to put myself in that kind of category, and um, and I I like the gentleman. Yeah, I also would like to reiterate how badly I want to read your book and how I can't wait. And also, when Sam's book Normal People A Broken People came out, sorry, when Broken People <laughs> came out, we I I think I pretty much bullied Sam into we went out masks on. Yeah. After quarantining to go out, buy a copy of his book at Barnes and Noble in person. And it was it was sparkly magic and interesting. I, it was actually such an incredible day. It was so yeah, great. It, I was so happy to have Matthew Scott Montgomery along with me for that. So I'm very, proud to have like immediate trip. secondhand experience with releasing mm-hmm. a book during a pandemic. Dude. It's possible, Arden, and it's yeah. going to be amazing. You know what? I'm just counting on podcasts. I think that's mm. my best bet is podcasts. <laughs> Other yes. people's podcasts, my podcast. I mean, it is what it is. Guys, it's not personal. Speaking of it is what it is, two treasures are always with us. One of them has a fucked up roof today and her landlord needs to get on it and he's been ignoring her and she's been sending emails and he needs to fix that shit because she's a queen. She likes to tan, but not in her living room. Anna, Tana, Hosnia. Is your roof fixed yet, Anna? No, they said they'll fix it tomorrow, but... In the meantime, story. That, that sounds yeah. like bullshit. Also with us, a woman who looks like she's been out hiking. I feel a little hike in her past. Um, she's a joy. <laughs> I know she's excited for the upcoming Bachelorette season. Ladies and gentlemen, Katie Levine. Hello. Um, all right, you guys, here we are. The year is 2009. And can I just say, let me just throw this out. We've now been, uh, Katie, is this like, this is like our fourth or fifth one from the aughts that we've done. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the aughts were trash. Can I say that? <laughs> like, awful. I mean, it's like, the certifiably. Era, I didn't realize it. I didn't know until I've now, in my mind, there's, I was thinking they're the same as they are now. Like, I didn't realize enough. It's hard for me to distinguish. But when I look at 2009 and it feels like it should be 2001 and there's like boot cut jeans and a lot of embroidery and skinny eyebrows and Jill, take it. 
2009 was the year I graduated high school. So yeah. like ev- anything that takes place in 2009, like really like hits a spot in my soul, like not a good spot, like a, like a brown spot in, in a peach, you know? And I think with 2009, I was like wowed by all of the like dresses and the yes. stuff that they were wearing. Cause they reminded me a lot of like, Oh God, I went to prom in 2009. This was so traumatic for fashion and pop culture. Like what a terrible year. When I watch this, I think I was doing a lot of Chelsea Lately's that year. And I remember going, if I felt like a lot of like the dresses or the hairstyles, I was like, I'm going to do that funky comb over in the front. Like, and in my mind, like I didn't quite realize it was that long ago. I mean, that's when it started, but I, I was, I remember trying to have cute dresses, Sam Lansky. I would like to say that when I queued up last night's episode, I, it showed, I think, the original air date of the first season of The Bachelor. Like it said, it said the year 2000, yes. which I think is when The Bachelor first premiered, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, oh, this is from the year 2000, and this looks like it's from the year 2000. And then when <laughs> I, so when somehow it was dated <laughs> to 2009, I'm telling you, I came unglued. I came completely unglued. I was like, you're telling me. We dressed like this in 2009. Like, you're telling me that I was strapping (laughs) on my boot-cut Rockin' Republic (laughs) jeans over an UGG tall short (laughs) in 2009? Are you kidding me? I lost my mind. I I truly could not believe I'm still shaking. We're only, like, three years past, like, the Juicy Couture sweatsuit phenomenon. Are we? Were we, or was it? What year was I was, was watching that? it. I was watching it like, yep, the year 2000. I remember this. This is how everyone that's, looked 20 years ago. And then I was like, wait, what? That's what I didn't. That's how I felt. I, like, we, we've watched enough of the, the French tip square nail manicure. Love that. Oh, my gosh. That's so real. At the I, time that this aired, I had just recently finished an after-school job working at Hollister at the <laughs> wow. mall. Yes. And so to see what Stephanie was wearing in this flashback, it made yeah. me feel, I worked the denim bar. So like when people walked into Hollister, I literally, I've been fired from what? every job that I've ever had. That's not acting related, by the way. And the, I, I worked at the denim bar and we were required when people walked in to say, Hey, welcome to Hollister. Have you heard how great our jeans fit? We had to say that phrase because they're secret shoppers. And if it was, a, if, if the person said no, if they go, no, how great do your jeans fit? If it was a woman, we had to say it accentuates your assets. And we had to do a thing, sweep our right hand to like show a butt. And if it was a guy who didn't know how great our jeans fit, we had to say it, gave, it gives you the full package. And with the left hand, we had to sweep our hand to make it look like you had a big dick. And so like. And uh, everyone who walked in just looked like Stephanie, like looked yes. like, like had a denim jacket over denim. The jeans we're talking about with a scarf over it, like needle thin eyebrows <laughs> and was just like working say, in a denim barred Hollister. I think this was, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this more, but I just want to <laughs> open by saying, I think this was the pinnacle of fashion. I do not think <laughs> style has ever been more evolved, more sophisticated, more dazzling than it was on The Bachelor in the year of our Lord 2009. Because I did not about really. the everything about it, the peasant tops, the really skinny eyebrows. We were just John Gosling. It's very John Gosling. Remember when it, John Gosling yes, went full very. like that Christian uh oh Yes. What is it? 
Christian Audigier. Christian Audigier. May she rest. Because, because, <laughs> because also just right out of the gate, we meet this single dad. Um, it's, uh, what's his name again? What's his name? Jason, Jason. Mesnick. And he's wearing like a shirt with like an eagle on it that just told me everything. It was like I a, loved his American style. eagle. Loved. It was, it was like Arrow an American. Postale? Oh my God, that's right. They have the best ladies underwear. The, uh, it's the AE. Um, so he's, he's got a three-year-old. He lives in Seattle. This is all pre-Instagram. So People are actually coming on for love. They are not coming on to become influencers. They do they do their own makeup and do not contour. They do not have much Botox or filler happening. These are not real the ladies, which I appreciate that factor. Jill, what did you think? I, I there's one thing I want to say, and again, I think we will get to this, but. When you guys were talking about Stephanie, I was just like shot back into last night when we were watching this. And I had this image of her on the beach. She was the one with the daughter, Dude. right? Yes. Yeah. I just want to say, like, speaking to the fashion of of 2009 once more, she had so much going on on her head. Like, on her, like her head held so much fashion. She had, like, two berets. She had um, one of those, like, what are those things called? The the clips, like, that are, like, a claw. that could Banana be a clip. Butterfly clip? Like a, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah had, butterfly. She had that holding in her ponytail. She had, like, long dangly earrings and a scarf. And I just, like, could not stop thinking about how much how much weight, like, physical weight and also the weight of fashion <laughs> that her head was carrying. Heavy is the head. Yeah. <laughs> Anna, I see you nodding your head knowingly. I see, like, there's a real, tell me about, what what is this triggering in you, 2009, Anna Um, I mean, I just love Stephanie as a character in this world. Uh, yeah. She's, like, probably one of my favorite. I love that she is one of the many contestants whose husband died in a plane crash there's been a lot who have a kid and they all have they all have a newborn yeah i don't understand what's happening but they also all seem to be very rich so i guess it's a lucrative gig um insurance yeah oh yeah it's yeah speaking of my roof caving in yeah okay see i'm landscaping I have two things to, to, to say. The first thing is um, I really connected with Stephanie's story of um, losing her husband in a plane crash because I've always wanted to be a glamorous widow. Like I've always seen that as like a really <laughs> promising oh career. It's your destiny, Sam. Don't give up yet. Don't give up on that. We can make that happen for you. A yes. glamorous widow. Um, I feel that for you. Brand, of that's all, your brand. What I want to know from everyone on this call is... Um, is Jason hot? No. Okay. Now here's the thing. I'd never seen, I didn't even know his name. So he apparently made it to the final two. He's had his body armor. Uh, Diana, he proposed, he's proposed twice. She said, no, his body armor went up since his ex-wife left him. He thought it was coming down, but now it's not. He's been hurt. He loves to golf. I feel that I could talk myself in if I was like, because here's the thing. They have no music. They have no cell phone. They don't get to read. All they do is think all day about this guy. I think I could trick myself into wanting to kiss his mouth. And then I think in the real world, I would be real over it within three weeks. Matthews, come on, Do you think he's hot? Um, I do. And I, but, 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 but take what I say. 
the grain of salt because I think Juan Pablo is hot. So I'm sus. Juan Pablo was hot. Juan Pablo was hot. Okay. Okay. But like, I like his weird straight across smile that like doesn't really like oh, go right. up in his face. It's like a it's Lauren, a Lauren Conrad, Conrad smile. It yeah. just go, it's a Lauren Conrad smile. Just, just go straight yeah. across. Yes. And he, I don't like older men, but like when, when we saw what he looks like now, like I was feeling it. I like him. 2020, Jason, I was into it. Katie, do you um, want to bone him? Katie, are you feeling him? I don't want to bone him. He's not. I'd much rather get at it with Juan Pablo, even though I hate Juan Pablo. He's hotter. Katie, do you want to bone him? No, not really. I mean, I can see why the girls were attracted to him because he's sweet. He's a good dad. Um, but no, I just I was never attracted to him. So here we go. The first out of the limos, we have Naomi. She's a flight attendant. And she says, um, I like, I just deal, I deal with, I handle all the bitches with a slap. And then uh, <laughs> Molly, now I have to say that my DVR didn't start recording. Today, so I actually had to watch the beginning last night. I hadn't seen the dove yet when you were, I didn't know Molly was a golfer. When I first saw her, I just saw her singing karaoke. And I was like, oh, I relate to Molly. But then I backed up and I see her that she's like into golfing and stuff. I was like, I don't relate to Molly anymore. Um, so he immediately, Molly stands out to her. She's never been to Seattle. I, I When I watch these it's a lot of the women in a very 1950s way trying to pr- prove that they're ready to be a mom, that they just can't wait to cook and clean. They can't wait to cook. They can't wait. Like, you know, and even though I didn't feel like he was, I felt that he wasn't putting that pressure on in a way that he was sort of like, this is my life. The reality is I live here. The reality is I have a son. You know, if this works for you, great. Like, I didn't feel like it was totally coming from him, but it was a little uncomfortable watching these gals. Jill, what did you think watching that? Yeah, that uh, there was one girl who I can't remember what her name was. She, I know she had this doesn't help at all. She had like um, a bit of a poof going into a ponytail, but I feel like that was two thousand nine. time. Right, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> But she, I remember that he kept saying to her, like, are you ready for this? Like, are you really ready for this? You, you, you know, it, it I think that like was Naomi, the flight attendant. Yeah, I think it, it was, was her. That, yeah. you know, he was kind of posing the question of like, are you sure that you don't want to like be out there experiencing more things? And like in any relationship and like, obviously you have to like, be honest about what you actually want. And if you are like wanting to be out there and doing all the things and not starting a family right now, like say that. And I feel like it was so clear that she didn't, I don't know that she doesn't want that, but she was like, you were saying like in this like really old school way being like, I'm ready to settle down and (laughs) become sink into being an androgynous woman in her fifties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With that. It feels there was a woman. There was even Juan Pablo was gross. There he was a dad. We just rewatched that season because I'd never I forgot watched. he was a dad. He was a dad. I'd never seen it, but he was. So we rewatched it, and there was one woman oh. who was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that." And like she actually she left him. She ended up leaving. Like he liked her, and she it's was okay. pretty upfront. He's okay. He's okay. Okay. So Molly opening night. Um. Oh, sorry. The uh, Jillian opening night. Starts cooking hot dogs. She's Canadian. She goes, you can tell what the guy is by the hot, what he puts on his hot dog. If he's a ketchup guy, that's a fun guy. He's a good looking guy. If he's a mustard guy, he's a keeper. But if he's a sauerkraut, crowd is out. What did you guys think of the hot dog theory? Sam Lansky. I don't have any remarks on the hot dog theory. What I want to talk about (laughs) is how when they kept 
cutting back to present day Jillian in the promo, I was like, who is this woman? Who is that? And it's then, so confused. And then when, when, like, it felt like some sort of, like, quantum collapse when I was made to believe, I would say misled, that that is the same woman who was, like, zooming in from her home in Canada, who was on that show cooking hot dogs. That was, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I to can- bring it to everyone listening. That was not the same woman. That, no. was like, that wasn't even that wasn't even a convincing dupe. That was just like two completely different women with completely different faces and completely different voices and completely different on-screen presentations. Agreed. And it's crazy that we're being told <laughs> otherwise. And we need I to started, like crack open the simulation. So my DVR last night started with present day Jillian. Okay. So I started with I started at the end with her present day husband partying with Jason. And then this morning I had to watch the beginning on Hulu. And I'm like, wait, who is that? And then I was watching and I thought that woman turned into Renee Zellweger from Bridget Jones diary like it's so uh, deeply confusing and i no. feel like the producers must answer for this i I, th- I thought it was very clear that that woman killed jillian and took her life Dude. yes well it's an avril melissa kind of situation it, 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 I, was I was just about to, i was just yeah. about to say avril or the beyonce and that italian woman that they think beyonce is or whatever yes it, yes and some one of our listeners tweeted tweeted in and said that it also looked like she looked like she lived in a kitchen that Melania Trump designed and set up for like a Christmas shoot. Like there was something like her yes. present day house was like a Melania. Matthew, I will say I was relieved when like her husband and kid or whatever. I don't care about children, but like when the kid thing came out, because like I was like, oh, for a second, I like saw a flash of what I knew to be Jillian instead of, instead of just being like a woman alone with like a, a, a zoom background that wasn't real. I was like, oh, she's actually in a house. And then, like, some personality showed up when, like, the rest of the family showed up. So the simulation was glitching, though, Sam. Her personality felt like two separate people, too. Like, the woman on the show was kind of fun-loving and fun. And then I, she had this hard story, which I, you know, I could relate to if you grow up with some tricky stuff. It's like, oh, she has like, she's this fun person who also had some like uh, dip, uh, some secrets at home, which I related to. And then watching this, I'm like, she feels like a, like a delicate flower. I did love every time Chris Harrison dealt with children, he would ask them to be brought out. And then he would say, I see you've got your hands full. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I'll let you go. That actually was like a really good way to deal with people's kids freaking out is I see you've got your hands full. It's like a sweet way to get out of there. Wait, okay. but can yes. we talk about um, Jillian's Face. emotional confession that, oh. well, I, we've already had, yeah, I mean, like, we, we can continue talking about Jillian's face. I, I <laughs> wanted to talk about Jillian's emotional confection. Okay, well, yeah, confession that she, oh, we're going to get there. Okay, we're going to okay, get okay, there. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so here we go. So then we have um, cooking hot dogs. So we find out. So then he takes all the gals shopping. Everybody has to pick up the outfit. Um, so he he goes on that climbing date with Naomi, the flight attendant. They do a climbing wall. And that's what she kept saying. Like, I'm just worried that my life doesn't fit for you. She's like, no, no, no. I'm ready for the, all of it. The Christmas parties, the cooking. And he got all excited, like, the cooking? And, and he goes, <laughs> I don't want to clip your wings. And she's like, I'm over the single lifestyle. This feels right. And... Um, so then Lauren, the teacher in a leopard dress, this was a fun character. Lauren, the teacher in the leopard dress, she gets out and she teaches 
12 year olds. It's opening night. And she asked him how he like what he knows about the government. And he he actually did. I was like, do I remember those? I don't know that I could do it on the spot. I wouldn't have done that. I, I actually was like, oh, I'm a dummy. So so <laughs> then he goes, he goes, will you wait here for a second? And I actually thought like, oh, she's going to get the first impression rose. And then she goes, I know I'm getting the first impression rose. And then he comes back and it's her birthday and he's bought her birthday cake. And she's so Is it cake. Enraged. It was like a pl- it was like a plate of like it looked like little cream. like donuts stacked on top of each other that they didn't eat because she was enraged. So yeah. she was like, well, she was like, um, she was super disappointed. She goes, I've done pageants. I love to win things. So then she starts singing. They do like a karaoke night. She needs to be the center of attention. She's told him and she's like, look, I don't have to initiate everything. I, you know, sometimes I want you to be the boss. She goes, some people like to be dominated. I think that he likes to be dominated. And then she goes, so you need to give me the rose tonight. And if you don't give me the rose tonight, I'm going to be pissed. And then he says, you feel like you're entitled to the rose? She goes, I wouldn't say entitled. And so then she didn't get the rose. She was like, if he does not give the rose to anyone but me, I will be pissed. And then she's so mad at him. And she goes, what did I ask you to do on our group date? And he goes, you didn't ask me. You told me what's up with that. And he says, you're different. You know, she goes, you know, you want to kiss me. So then they kiss and it was nervous and weird. And then she goes, the other girl should get out of here because we're getting married. And then he cuts her because she's fucking crazy. Sam Lasky, I saw a hand up. So I want to talk about the teacher who I really connected with. Lauren. I want to talk about Lauren, the teacher. I really, I saw a lot of myself in Lauren. I um, connected deeply with Lauren. Um, I but, loved. She uh, was a fun character. Lauren was the first of many women that Sam texted me about throughout the night, saying, "I'm Lauren." <laughs> yes, that's true. That's hundred yes. percent true. You are Lauren. Um, I can see I, you as Lauren. I am. I am. I am a little bit Lauren. Um, and a little bit somebody, Stephanie. Yeah. I am a little bit seventy. There's somebody else who I am most of all, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I um, the thing that I really liked about Lauren was Lauren illuminated a quality in Jason that I thought was hot, controversial, which is that Jason had zero ability to disguise his emotions. Like when Lauren was being really crazy, you could see Jason reacting in real time to how crazy she was. And I really responded to that emotional transparency, which I would characterize as, wait for it, hot. And he didn't let some of the guys would actually let her push them around, and he didn't. And I liked he pushed that. back, and he wore his pushback on his face in a really open way, and we have to respect it. Matthew, how did you feel about Lauren, the teacher? Um, I I concur with what 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 Sam is saying. I what um I don't know if this is a phrase that friends had come up with and it's not it works the thing everyone says but jason totally does wear his heart on his face so it's like we were like identifying with him throughout the whole thing i thought it was a little strange that his his reaction to her though was you didn't ask for the rose you told me but you didn't ask for it so the presumption there is that if she had asked for it then she would have just gotten it so that like did I, stand thought out that was, to me. I thought that was crazy i thought that was a little bit of a cop-out um yeah i don't know if that was kind of weird Jill, how did you feel about Lauren, the teacher? My feeling on Lauren, the teacher, is that she should have dropped a single, I think, like, in the time of 
2009 when Heidi Montag probably dropped a single around that era. You mean Spidey? Spidey Montag? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like she could have dropped an absolutely garbage but perfectly like perfect pop hit at that time and we would all know her name. So I think her real It would have mis- bought it on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. Her real mistake was to not continue with a music career. Anna, you texted me last night that there's so many cuz last week the one that we broke down, the show that we broke that that there's so many random people just serenading and making up songs that they don't do it. Like this is a fun thing that they used to do. That you noticed that. Yeah, it, it felt like people were very confident back then to just start singing acapella <laughs> with songs they've made up yeah i would never i don't know yeah don't say that i believe that you can make that the quarantine is quarantine is the time to practice honey this is your time to shine i believe in you no you're right it's you're quarantine right. it's quarantine it's the quarantine to shine <laughs> <laughs> okay. that could be a good title there we go okay so then we have so then, so she's out. So then they go and um, he, he goes to a morning radio show and a DJ blindfolds him with a feather boa because you can't possibly see through feathers. And uh, he's like, okay, you're going to, I'm going to blindfold you and you're going to kiss all these three of these ladies. You're going to tell me who's who. And he immediately got it. And that was sort of a one-off. But we found out that this was the height of when Twilight was happening. This vampires were ruling the box office, which I always think is like a fun... This is when, like, Kristen Stewart was, like, full... They were... Yeah, and Robert Patton, they were fully in love. That was happening. That was what was in the world. (sighs) Exciting. i just like to say, it would be very obvious if Stephanie were kissing you because her earrings would clatter, her useless scarf would hit your face... (laughs) Um, her banana clip would get caught in your hair. You could hear the, the pins on her lapel of her denim jacket banging against each other. You know? it's, it's yes. Like dragging yes. drums down yes. the pavement to get Stephanie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we made another incredible contestant. And again, I'm going to be honest with you. Now that you can actually make a career, like because Bachelor in Paradise did not exist, which is for Sam and Matthew, who are sort of newer to the franchise, now you can make a full career. Like you almost don't even want to win. You just need to be, you just need to get airtime and be a character. And so, like, if you, you don't get paid when you're on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, but then if you go to Paradise, you get paid. Maybe you hook up, you get more Instagram followers, you do some FabFit fun boxes. Like, <laughs> eventually you can quit your job as a dental hygienist for, like, a good solid three years if you just get enough <laughs> screen time. These people actually seem mentally ill, like, for real in a fun way. So we come to another really fun mentally, a mentally ill dental hygienist named Shannon, who... Um, love Shannon. Is this I who you identify Shannon. with most? Sam? And this is no, but I, I did identify strongly with Shannon, but Shannon's not who I identified with the most. <laughs> okay, okay. So Shannon is a very pretty lady, and she goes, um, July 5th, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. I looked it up on MySpace, you guys. MySpace. <sighs> Katie, your face. Katie, your face. Matthew, tell me. You just put your hand up. Oh, no? I was just saying, like, the idea, the, the, the level of stalking. Like, listen, here's the thing. We all do it. Sam has done it. Jill has done it. We, Arden, you've done it. We yeah. all do our online stalking. You don't tell them that you know all that stuff. No, you ask you the questions already knowing the answer. You don't give it all away. For a podcast about bachelor grief and shame, here's the thing. 
You add shame to yourself. You can stalk all you want online. Learn all the, just do your, all you need is fake it till you make it, honey, in public. Just tell your private friends, but in public, don't tell the person you've stalked. Be the weirdo you need to be, but do not reach out. Do not, Jill, your hands up. No, I would just like, I, I agree. I think dating is about manipulation. So like yes. you do the stalk. Jill's and then, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you bring the power of manipulation to the physical table at the date. And you say to them, like, perhaps I'm, I'm really compatible with Leo's or like whatever their birthday might be. And they're like, oh my God, I'm a Leo. Like yes. there are ways around saying, so your birthday is July 5th. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I fear yeah. that I have some of Shannon inside of me, not like the stalker way, but Same. the not cool part. Like the the side of me that if I buy you a present or something, even if like it's the holiday is like three months from now, I'm going to give it, I'm going to ruin the, there's going to be no build. I'm not, there's no like fun Hansel and Gretel crumb of a flirt. Like I'm going to immediately blow my wad of like, here's your present. Like I'm, there's going to be no sexy striptease of any, like I will, it'll, I'll be buck naked holding your present. Sam Lansky, your <laughs> hand went up. Well, I, I want to like start this off and then like kick it over to Matthew Star Montgomery, who's going to have more to say about this. I already know, but the total lack of chill in Shannon reminded me of my, maybe my favorite celebrity story of all time, which is Jennifer Love Hewitt sending Matt Damon to bed. And I feel like she had big (laughs) Jennifer Love Hewitt sending Matt Damon to bed energy in terms of the total absence of chill <laughs> Matthew just came unglued can you wait can, can tell you tell us the story, story I can't because believe I don't know this I, I know, know about, we've talked about this I know we've about Tom about Cruise allegedly sending I believe it was Jennifer Garner a tiger I heard about the tiger allegedly See, that's getting... like that's a cool gift okay this wait was tell like... me about the bed tell me tell me about David I forget bed. this story Sam I'm laughing because wait, it seems... you don't remember the story we've talked about this before. we've talked tell, at tell, length tell, tell. in detail about Jennifer Love Hewitt I don't remember us talking about this specific story though give me what so... your brain this is all allegedly like what your brain what remembers. my brain remembers about this is that Jennifer Love Hewitt has told this story in interviews like she told it on late night about how she heard Matt Damon talking about how he travels so much and is always like on location in production that he doesn't have a bed. <laughs> and so she sent him a bed Great. and he never acknowledged it. Like oh, never what? acknowledged receipt of the bed. Jennifer Love, you would just like send this bed to Matt Damon. He never, he swerves her. He does not acknowledge it. He avoids her at parties. And, but she just like, she couldn't help herself. And I, in my relationships historically, I've always very much been Jennifer Love Hewitt sending Matt Damon to bed. And Shannon gave me Jennifer Love Hewitt sending Matt Damon to bed. I, I, I feel like I need to like Google this and confirm that I'm not just like, please what do. if I just like fever I, dream hallucinated I this have, entire episode? No, it sounds right. I have a chemical reaction because I feel that in my brain, I could be home. I'm watching Kimmel. Matt Damon's talking about needing a bed. In my feet, I, I have like a, I, in my brain, I could think about like, texting a friend of mine and being like, oh my God, I'm going to set, like, isn't that funny? I'm going to order a bed. I'm going to, I'm going to have my, whoever find out his address. And I like, and like my friend, like all of us going, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, do it. Send like texting like Brian Soffy and having him tell me like, great, oh my God, like, it'll be great. he's going to love it. Oh my God. It's good. And then like waiting and waiting and like knowing it. Okay. It's been delivered. Right. And then hearing 
And then we I just like, Googled and confirmed she's told this story, and the story includes the detail of him not thanking her or acknowledging obsessed. receipt of the bed at all. Oh my gosh, this is an incredible story. Jill's hand is It's a really, on. really good story. Yeah, no, I think that, like, w- the reason that Shannon is so terrifying for all of us is because it is, like, that thing. I have this thing of, like, anytime I watch, like, a movie about depression or anxiety or really, like, anyone that has, like, a really weird character that's doing something that everyone is, like, oh, my God, you're so weird, Carrie. Ew, Carrie got her period, like, whatever it is. I, like, t- I-, I sit in this moment after the movie and I'm, like, oh, my God, am I Carrie? Yeah. Like, am I this person? Am I this We're all Carrie. Yeah, if and you're like, on this Zoom call, you're Carrie, and you that's why Carrie. I like you, and that's why I feel Shannon safe was and a mirror. Okay, so let me He's just talk. Let's let's just walk through for the listeners because we have a lot of listeners who are like, you know what, Arden, we love you. We can't watch these three hour things. So I'm going to tell you what happened just to refresh your memory from 2009. Shannon, she loved him. She she just she did her homework. She goes, I did my homework. I'm not a stalker. I just Jason, you have beautiful teeth. She's a dental hygienist. She loves his teeth. She goes, Well, you have an older brother. He has a kid. Um um, and then she, he, he has to like put these like strips of plaster on her. They're doing like a life casting. She goes, it felt good for him to rub my body. And then she goes, hi, Jason, this is Shannon. I'm crying. I already like you a lot. She just said that out of nowhere. And then, um, they're at the rose ceremony. She starts eye rolling like, Ugh. and then she runs out and she vomits. Nobody talks about why, like because of the strange edit, we don't know why. And then um, she goes, you can't let me go. I'm not letting you let me go. You have to believe in me right now. I'm putting my heart on my shoulder. Now, we've heard heart on the sleeve. We've heard heart on the face today. Loved I've never heard heart on the shoulder. Heart Loved on the it shoulder. So much. It really spoke to me. I'm putting my heart on my shoulder. That's also a good book title. Heart on the shoulder. That's also a good title of uh, the episode. Um, she goes, I want to be a mother. I want to meet Ty. I want. And then she starts picking her nose in front of him. She goes, it's who I am. I'm picking my nose. She like starts falling, <laughs> literally she's falling her apart nose. She facially. takes a napkin. She starts picking, picking her nose. And then she's like wiping her mouth with this napkin. And then she rolls up the snot and the mouth shit, puts it in a ball and puts it in his hand. And then he eliminates it. Then she kisses him. He rejects the kiss. And then he keeps trying to get the rest of the napkin off of her face. And Ooh, then she so says, rough. I'm not used to being rejected. And then she got caught. Anna Hosnie. Is there any Shannon inside of you? Uh, I mean, yeah, my nose is always running, but like other than that, I would not. <laughs> I wouldn't ever hand someone. I would, I would like throw myself off a cliff before I handed someone a tissue that was covered in my snot and then tried to kiss them. How about stalking someone? How about have you ever been a little extra? Or are you too cool for school for that? Yeah, I'm sure I have. Uh, I mean, I've been in a relationship for a while, so I, like, physically stalk my boyfriend all the time around our house. But other than that, I mean, it's been a while, but I'm sure I have it in me. I could do it if if I really put my heart to it. Katie, have you ever stalked anybody? No, I have not. No, no. I have. No. Matthew. Did did they kiss? Was that after she threw up as well? Was the kiss I think right that was a different that? night. I think that was a different night. Oof. I know the, the the edit. She got a kind of a montage because of the format. It was very exciting. 
So here we go. You can know, I just can I take a really quick beat to defend Shannon and elegantly getting yeah. um, napkin all over her face because yeah. that really felt like I that felt very vulnerable for Shannon and I I felt for Shannon in that moment. And as much as we can drag Shannon for being crazy and desperate and a stalker, like I I feel like I moved through my life as girl with napkin on her face, you know, Me like too, girl okay. with napkin on her face just looking for a kiss. That's very <laughs> in my everyday. And I I That's just, your third I, book. I, that's your third that's book. My right third there. book. Yeah. That's I just book. had a lot of empathy for dedicated Shannon. Dedicated to Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> Jill. I actually think that we need more representation for sad women with napkins on their faces looking for. I things. could not agree more. I think that's so important. And it's I quarantine. Think if I would, it's I quarantine. <laughs> had seen that kind of representation, maybe I would have had a different path through my life. I'm going to be real with you and say I am often girl with napkin on face. I'm not a tidy Same. eater. I'm girl with food on shirt. I'm good. I'm girl with food in teeth. I have a chip in my tooth that like, like, like holds, it like holds food. A pocket. So I have like a food pocket that's like, <laughs> so I'm like girl with food in teeth, girl with food on face, girl with food on shirt. Girl with food and hair, like mm. just girl, girl with like one nose hair she didn't see that you know just not quite on like like kind of put together but like not fully on point, guys. But we're gonna take a break. And as I said last week, here's the thing: Little Miss, Little Compton, it comes out next month. It's like so soon, and uh, we're doing giveaways if you buy the book, and it's. Such a good book, you guys. Come on. Debbie Ryan wrote the forward for it. I mean, buy it for the forward alone. Um, I we, We're doing giveaways every week. And I said last week, we're going to do four T-shirts this week. So get in. We're doing more giveaways next week. So I'm going to pull a name right now. Screen grab your receipt. Email it to rosepodcast at gmail.com. Here we go. I'm pulling a T-shirt right now. Brenda Ramirez. Get ready. You got a T-shirt. All right. We'll be right back. Bone zone. Let's get in the bone zone, guys. And we're back. Oh my god! Uh, now I have to say, uh, I learned a little fact over the break that Matthew actually watched this season in real time. So wait, Matthew, how many seasons have you watched of The Bachelor, or Bachelorette? Um, probably like sat down, watched all the way through like five or six. Oh, I kind of, I kind of stopped uh, uh, a couple years ago. Okay. Um, I don't have a good I don't have a good reason for not watching it anymore. It's one of those things where it's like I still have cable. I DVR every season that airs. Yeah. And then like I just I, I just don't I usually watch the finale. I'm so not this person with other series, but with The Bachelor in the last couple of years, I usually just watch the last episode. Okay. Is that well, weird? I, I don't know. I why. get that. I mean, I, I used to always watch America's Next Top Model, and then I <gasps> oh, I've seen every episode, girl. I've seen like a lot of seasons, and I don't mm-hmm. know why I. I don't know why I stopped. It's just like one year I just stopped. Okay, but you have a story. Tell us your story. Yeah, so there's a, a line that Stephanie said in one episode of this season that my brother and a group of friends and I have been saying for the last 11, 11. years. Yeah. Like, and it's a running joke between all of us, but they don't know that it came from The Bachelor. It's just right. something my brother and I used to say all the time. And then my friends picked up on it. And now it's something we say, like, honestly, on a weekly basis. Yes. So when you asked me or asked us to be on this podcast and I saw what we were watching, I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if they'll show the clip. So Stephanie 
because Sophie, which one is Stephanie? Which one Stephanie's is Stephanie? the mom. Stephanie's the, the mom. Who we're, about, who we're about to chat with about. So we're great. about to chat about um, her daughter Sophia, yep. who she wasn't able to see. There was one episode where she had to like call her on the phone to like catch up with her, and they had like Sophia on speakerphone. Yeah. And maybe Bachelor Nation, who's listening to this, knows specifically what Sophia was talking about. I can't remember what Sophia was talking about, but it was something where she had like a cake or cookies or like a fairy outfit or something. Thing that was she's like mommy it was so sweet and then this is what stephanie says to baby sophia and she said it in such a like sexual way that it really disturbed my brother and i and we started laughing and then it became a thing we say all the time and she said well that fits you perfectly because you know what you are so sweet <laughs> and that's something that <laughs> Whenever the word sweet comes up, my friends and I just automatically reflex say oh that phrase. Can I try it? I want to try it. Yes. Okay. That fits you perfectly because you know what? You are so sweet. Okay, ready? Okay, okay. I'm just going to do it. Well, that fits you perfectly because you know what? You are so sweet. <laughs> this means so wow. much to me. Oh, my God. I can't like, wait for like people was, to listen to this because like we say it all the time and it's a fantasy come true to hear anyone else say it, especially you, Arden. That makes you that was so such long. a joy. I felt so excited. Can I, what did you play on so random for our listeners out there? Because we have we have the guy uh, Jerry Trainer. He was on iCarly and he was on Drake and Josh, and we have a lot of our listeners go crazy that he was that he's on the podcast. What did you play on so random? So, so for people who weren't familiar, so random was a spinoff of a show called Sunny with a Chance um, yep. that um, was on was on Disney Channel, and I actually met Debbie because she guest starred on our show, and then that's how Debbie and I became friends, and it was a whole thing. Um, so, what so random basically was was like SNL for Disney Channel. So we had like a musical guest every week, and we had like a backstage story going on where like Justin Bieber's here what do we do and then there were sketches in between so my character's name was literally Matthew and I was one of the cast members of this TV show every episode we had like Miss Piggy was running around and I couldn't do anything right and I was trying to help her out and meanwhile we were doing sketches so I played a lot of different sketch characters in the show so fun was it a blast it was a blast, and it's actually on Disney Plus now, listed as season three of Sunny with a Chance. So if you want to see all my embarrassing oh my home movies as a Disney kid, it's all on there. And was that Victoria Justice? Am I right? That was Nickelodeon. So Nickelodeon was, yeah, that was Victoria Justice, and she was on Victorious, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So great. Oh, so great. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So guess what? Well, that fits you perfectly because you know what? Yeah. Making it rich. Here she is. It's Stephanie. Anna, you love a widower. And Sam, (laughs) it's future you. The ghost of Christmas future. Sam Lansing. Can't wait. This is your future life. So her husband died in a plane crash. And her baby girl was just a little infant right there. And, um... And it was Sophia's birthday. And um, she was sad that she couldn't be with her on her birthday. But um, she got her a fairy outfit. And she thought that that uh, Brad, is this his name? Brad. Jason. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Interchangeable, like, honestly. Looks like a Brad. He looks yeah. like a Brad. Jason. Jason could be a father figure. And I wrote... Crazy casual outfit. So this is the one with the scarf. It was yeah. crazy. And there the was, barrettes. There was barrettes. Literally crazy casual outfit. There was 
There was Useless like scarf. flip flops with boot cut jeans, a, a denim shirt, a lot of sweaters, scarves, a lot of, there was a lot. So crazy casual outfit. And she thought that Jason could be a role model and a daddy. Daddy. Mm. Um, for her daughter. And so he goes, oh, they're walking on the beach. And the Pacific Ocean is always pretty cold. I just want to start with that. And he says, uh, oh, look, what's that over there? And she turns. And she's like, now, look, I'm not, I'm not a mother. And I've never been a bachelor contestant. And I've never been away from a four-year-old that, like, I, I just, I can't imagine the feeling. So I'm not trying to be a hater here. But the insanity, the yeah. feeling, the level. I was like, oh, in like a denim tuxedo runs straight into the wave <laughs> nothing is worse i grew up in a beach town i like going to the beach but there's sand at the beach we're not at the pool and denim 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 uh, wet denim on your legs and they did not bring a change of clothes to go to legoland so we're down near legoland we got a wet denim it's cold enough so you need a jacket and a scarf you're running into the cold pacific ocean you're getting your salty salty wet sandy denim Baby, baby, running, and I love you. I love you. I'm so excited. They literally bang into each other, too. I was yeah. so worried for newly four-year-old Sophia because she, like, face plants with her mom, yeah. but then she's okay. She goes, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Jason, I'm overwhelmed. This is magical. Oh, you deserve the world. And then I wrote down wet jeans, and then um, she goes, this is a roller coaster for me. And then they go to Legoland. It was a fantasy day. And then she goes, well, when one family was broken, another could be made. And they go, and he gives her the Lego rose. The girl was so sweet. Her daughter was so sweet. He was very good with her. He lit the candles for the cake. He's clearly a nice dad. Like, he's a good, he's clearly a good guy. Um, but I was so distracted by how wet they, because they were still in their wet <laughs> denim. Like, they didn't go buy them, like, a new outfit, at, like a Lego sweatpants suit or run to Walmart and get, like, a, just like a $20. And go to Target and just get, just give, give the girl a break. Get her some non-salty, sandy, wet things. Who wants to start? Who needs to take it? Who is the first one to talk about Stephanie? Jill. I well, you know, I already said this that she's she she physically carries a lot of weight on her on her physical person just because of the accessories. And so, you know, she did physically collide with her daughter. <laughs> the daughter smashed into her like shin or something and I was like, "Oh, oh my god, oh my god." And like, nobody acknowledged it. Like it was just like so exciting and happy that like we just like moved past it. But like you got to think like she's a tall woman yeah. and it, it was like <laughs> throwing <laughs> a bag of rocks down a hill, like, like all of these rocks coming at this, like a cluster of rocks hitting this four-year-old girl. This girl alone on the beach. Just yeah, running, I, I, just it was just, I just felt danger. Like this whole moment felt You're like right, a little tiny girl set free from a PA miles away. I, that's what I was going to say. The oh, other part is that like the little girl comes running out from behind this rock and is like about to get barreled by a Stephanie. Tall, a tall, the water wet. next to a tall, yeah. wet Southern beauty queen. I just didn't feel good about it as a setup. I thought I felt a lot of danger and, um, and yeah, and I didn't even think about the like wetness aspect oh. that 
that's an uncomfortable date. Sam Lansky. Are we talking about um, seeing them in present day yet? Sure. Or is that I hear. So here okay. we go. She's in Alabama in a crazy Victorian house. It looks like a B&B romance novel. There's pink light velvet everywhere. Um, she's like, oh, Jason was a good guy. He was a good guy. That was incredible. So it was the best sweet. day of my life. You know, uh, that's just so right for you because you are so <laughs> And then Stephanie has watched it over and over. Stephanie's watched it numerous times. She likes to watch that. And the mom does it. She's like, well, I don't like watching my mom kiss. It's awkward because she's so classy, which I thought they have a nice relationship. I feel like she and her daughter, I like that her daughter has a crush on Ty, who's um, like of his present day son. And, um, but they think that she's cute. But yes, Sam, take it. Present day. I would like to watch um, basically a reboot of Sharp Objects with yes. Stephanie as Patricia Clarkson and <laughs> Stephanie's daughter, Sophia, as Amy Adams. Can I we put like them there was in the Designing like, Women house? Yes, a thousand percent. I think we have an obligation to. There was some kind of powerful Southern Gothic energy there that made me feel like there was maybe a long buried family secret that needed to be unearthed or <laughs> some sort there. of dramatic mystery to be solved. Um, but there was something about their dynamic and specifically um, Sophia. Like a VC Andrews. Like, yes, a thousand percent. Sophia seemed um, extremely ready for her close up. Like Sophia was very, very ready to have the cameras on and to celebrate this moment of um, being on TV with her mom. And I respected that. I feel like I witnessed that in Sophia and it reflected something that also was within me. And is this I who you relate really, to the most? Are you Sophia? No, 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 no. Okay, great. No, it's funny later. Yeah. But um, but I really I loved their dynamic and I loved getting to zoom into their home. I was so because everybody else is so now we've watched eight of these, seven or eight of these seasons. Everyone else's zoom background looks kind of like a slight version of what um, the of what the ca- crazy Canadian who is the new person looks like. They all have like the white tile with the black grout. It's a very cool West Elm kind of. They all have like a uh, restoration hardware, and this one was a fun Victorian dollhouse doily, B and B, Mississippi moss dripping, like a uh, vampire novel beginning. <laughs> I really enjoyed the just that it was different than everybody else's like brass and you know it wasn't as present day matthew scott montgomery so um, the relationship between um stephanie and her daughter sophia present day reminded me of in high school there was one of our um we were doing like a high school musical in in our gym so we like use like the there's a point to all this and there was like a guy's locker room and a girl's locker room and one of the girls in the play was elizabeth newton i grew up in north carolina and her mom's name was millie it was millie newton and millie newton looked exactly like stephanie like down to like the last detail she worked at the perfume counter at upton she had like she was just like she looked like so young and so old at the same time, and it didn't really make any sense. I want to play Millie and Newton next year during. Yes, we used, to, we used to call her General Mills because, like, Millie, General Mills, Millie Newton, whatever. Anyway, and Millie, Millie Newton, and Jess, uh, Elizabeth Newton were best best friends, even though Elizabeth was like fifteen and her mom was like you know fifty or whatever. They were like always together, always inseparable. And before opening night of the musical, we the, the girls' locker room was like for a hair and makeup, and then the guys' locker room was split 
split up. So everyone like got dressed in there. So I remember one time me and one of my castmates were going into the girls locker room to get hair and makeup. And Elizabeth Newton was standing completely naked in the girls locker room, just standing there completely naked. And Millie Newton was dressing her, was like putting clothes on her. And we walked in and a face that I've never seen before and a voice that I've never heard before. Mrs. Newton, General Mills goes, get out of here. My daughter's getting dressed. And like just Elizabeth staying there completely naked. And we all stood outside the girls' locker room and be like, what the hell is going on? And then like five minutes later, she came out like dressed full makeup. And we're like, hey guys, ready for the play? I feel like there's something happening with Stephanie and Sophia where Sophia stands completely naked every morning and Stephanie like dresses her. And if anyone tries to interrupt it, she turns into a demon. Katie, Katie, your reaction. Katie, get on the mic, honey. I just love the general Steven, <laughs> Katie, your reaction, like shocked. Well, Tell I just about, you thought about that story. I mean, that's like you know, it's scary to happen to you in high school because you're like, you know, it's it's weird. But then just to act like nothing happened, just yes. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and we never spoke of it again. Yes. Wow, that is a joy. That is a dream weaver. All right, I, do we have anything more to say before we move on? Are you feel anything you want to leave on the field with Stephanie, or just a slow clap, just like? Well played. Well, well played, Stephanie. Okay, so here we are. We're down to the final three. Um, and uh, they're, oh, for the final four, hometowns. Here we go. We've got Jillian, Melissa, Molly, and Naomi. Oh, what a gift. <sighs> Naomi, I felt for her. Okay, wait, okay, so Sam, you're going to be first up. Naomi um, lives in Carlsbad. She's a flight attendant. She has an interesting family. Now, when you were texting me all this, I hadn't watched yet, but I was so excited, Sam. Um, so it starts out, I'm like, oh, are they just quirky because they have the hula hoop? But I was like, you know what? That's fine. I, I'm on board with the hula hoop. It's kind of fun. Like, some of the families are so cold and unwelcoming, and they love to, like, grill, like, what do you think of my son? Or what do you think? You know, like, so at least I felt they were welcoming. I wasn't mad at the hula hoops. That was fine. And the mom goes, be one with the hula hoop. Like, okay. So then she goes, reincarnation is a big passion of mine. It's a big topic. If you're a truth seeker, and I imagine that you are, I came from a, you might think we've met before. I came from a better world. Maybe we are from the future. I feel come from the same soul family. In the past, I know that Jason spent at least one lifetime as a mom. Um, And then she goes, and now there was a beautiful thing. I was driving the other day and I looked out the window and I just saw these beautiful feathers, a beautiful dove. I killed it. I killed the dove. The dove killed itself, but I couldn't leave it as roadkill. And then the kid goes, right now it's in the fridge in a bag. Okay, this poor little boy. And then she goes, she brings it out. And this dead dove is in the bag. And she's like, and I was hoping that you could help us honor uh, Rosie by giving Rosie an elegy, an elegy for Rosie. I hit the dove. It was, And, and then he goes, uh, Jason Messick was actually a good sport. He goes, this is a symbol of peace and freedom that she's killed, which I actually made me like him that he said that. Yeah. He goes, and then he had to say, in loving memory of Rosie, who died on the windshield. And then the boy goes, ew, I feel its head. Goodbye. And then the little boy goes, sorry, dead bird. <laughs> I have to tell you, I did. I loved this hometown. Sam Lansky, your hand was up 18 years ago to talk about this. Take it. I just have to say, I first felt represented by Lauren, and then I felt represented by Shannon. 
And then the real sort of triumph of representation came for me in this scene. When I met Naomi's mom, Joanne, I thought to myself, okay, that's me. I am very much Joanne. (laughs) Talking endlessly about like energy and our soul tribes, check. Like making everyone uncomfortable, check. Just like I'm very, I feel really, really witnessed by Joanne. But then at the on-screen debut of the dead dove in a paper bag, I thought, Rosie. Rosie. I thought that is me. I am. I have never been more represented than I am by a dead dove in a paper bag on a hometown visit on The Bachelor. Like that is me to a T. Representation matters. We need to talk about that. And that you've also been like that is you. That you have been a dead dove in a paper bag, frozen solid in a in a residential (laughs) freezer in in a residential in somebody's in somebody's Carlsbad in Carlsbad. I would say. In Carlsbad, California. I would say I started out a Lauren, became a Shannon, <laughs> briefly was a Joanne, and ended up a dead dove in a paper bag. Throwing That's yourself like in someone's my, windshield. <laughs> to <Andrew>. Throwing myself, <laughs> hurtling through space towards someone's windshield, just trying, searching for a way out, just trying to get free. That's very, very me. I loved the the by a mile the best thing about this three hour odyssey was the dead dove in the paper bag. <laughs> yes, Jill. I first of all, I, your representation does matter, and I'm so thankful that you feel seen, Sam. I'm so glad that they were there for you. That Chris Harrison from his Ramada in lobby of a of his study in his Love. house with his novel, The Perfect Letter, behind him, and his Love. painting, and his son that his son Harrison he Harrison who just wants you to play video games upstairs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Jill, you had your hand up. Talk to me, sweet queen. Well, I was just going to add to, like, while we're on the topic of representation, I, you know, the more that Sam was talking about this, the more I just felt represented by the fridge that was home to the dead dove in a paper <laughs> bag. Because I think that, like, the longer the pandemic goes, the more the depression settles in, the more I feel like I am actually home to a series of rotting dead doves in paper bags. <laughs> yeah. And I'm keeping them cold. Yes. And then maybe it's time to set them free and bury them mm-hmm. and bury them. And again, yeah. like, had I seen like a fridge that was home to a, a bunch of dead doves in a paper bag when I was a kid, like, how much easier would my life be right now? No, yeah. Sam, you would have known that was possible for you, that you could, as a fridge that contains a rotting dead dove in a paper bag. Is this bag, Rosie? Is this... That you could have, yeah, that is Rosie. Do you yeah. wish you read made your people. hummingbird? Do you, read Broken People. Do you wish you could read, take a, one more pass of Broken there's, People? There's a bird on the cover of my book, which is what, which is what we're all, we're all referencing right and now. Also, a bird maybe... on the cover of my book. It's not, it's a, it's a portrait of me, a dead dove in a paper bag. That's <laughs> on the cover That should be your author photo. That should be your author yeah. photo. Yeah, just a, a, Rosie. a rolled up paper bag that we all know contains <laughs> erotic dead and somebody wrote in on the, the bag that is Jill. The, yeah. the dead the bag if you look closely had like and sharpie somebody wrote rosie on it it said rosie on the bag gorgeous you, it was incredible it was truly Art, beautiful, gorgeous beautiful like so a she, tattoo on my body so she got cut um Matthew, did you have anything you needed to say about Rosie or that? Absolutely hometown? not. It's all already been said. Okay, great. <laughs> we were all thinking it. Everyone here was thinking it. Tana, did you need to say anything about Rosie? Rosie's the the dove. Rosie's the, the dove. Rosie's the dove. Um, 
No, but I do. I think it was very interesting that um, Jason doesn't know how to hula hoop. Yeah, that was weird. It made me wonder if he was bad in bed. Well, same, he, same mm, artist. Wow. There is points where he's like holding the hoop and moving his body in circles in the motion of yeah. like how you would hula hoop, but then not actually using the hoop to go around his body. And um, mm. he can't please a woman. He's not going to please a woman. I actually thought the same thing, Arden. I agree. <laughs> Okay, great. Um, so then, so then, uh, so we so now we've moved on. The final three, S- strangely, she got cut, and we're down to Jillian. And then, so okay, here we go. Here you've been waiting for this, Jillian. First, we find out so she makes him have another hot dog. He's a mama's boy, um, and then she said, "The crowd, you're out." And then they do have a lot of like wacky dates. Who can jump the highest? So then. They go to Disney Concert Hall, and we missed it, but apparently they were there greeted by uh, not Robin Thick. Yeah, Robin Thick. Robin Thick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Robin Thick. Um, and then she said, you know, um, I have teary matters of the heart. I can be serious. Some things have been tough for me. He goes, You're unbelievable. He's like, I just, I could freeze up, but I, I'm ready to open up to Jason. I've always been in control of a situation. There's a reason my mom is depression. And the depression's so bad that sometimes my mom has tried to take her own life. And it's been a hard thing to live with. She's been in a hospital for months at a time. She got better. So she's better. She's kicked it. And I'm so lucky, but I had to be a rock. And he's like, thank you so much for telling me. And she's like, Jason could be my best friend. And she says, I'm crazy about you. You're the most remarkable person I've ever met. And then um, he cuts her. And she's shocked. And she's like, I'm sorry. I, I, I've i just never met anybody like you. You're amazing. I, I, You just need somebody in life that is able to keep up with you. And she's like, you made a mistake. Two days ago, I had an amazing dream. And you were taking a nap. And I grabbed Ty. And we've all napped on the couch. And I've totally fallen in love with you. And I don't expect to ever find that again. And then we see her again. And then I wrote Renee Zellweger from Bridget Jones, freaky. (laughs) And then she talked about, and her whole personality felt different. She talked about how she didn't shave her legs, her hairy Canadian legs when he was on his shoulders and, um, and how her husband has partied with him. And, um, and yeah, it was, um, it was conf- it was confusing, and um, I do know that people loved Jillian as a bachelorette. She became the bachelorette. I know Lori loved Jillian. I was confused by the present day Jillian, and um, I, I I just I, that's it. Here we are, Jillian. Who wants to start with Jillian? Sam Lansky. I was reflecting while watching this on how like radically the. Um, culture and the way we talk about mental health has changed in the last decade that like it was revelatory for her to talk about how her mom had struggled with depression when I feel like fast forward to 2020 and we're all like in the throes of like you know truly debilitating clinical depression like literally as a world and I feel like I talk about my depression all the time in a way that's so matter of fact and hearing her reveal it in this like you know this is the sort of like a deep family shame way was just like fascinating because it feels like not that long ago, but apparently things are very, very, very different now. Like I would never, it would never occur to me that like 
a family history of depression would be something that was like remotely stigmatized. I'm like truly like welcome to being a person in the world, babe. Yeah, I think, you know, I think when you've grown up with it and she was little and maybe like there's poly, you know, if her mom was like, it was so bad. She was trying to take her own life. You know, that like when I bet, you know, it's Canadian. I grew up in New England. There's certain things where people's like, everything has to look okay. Like, you, like, yeah, you didn't not, talk about it. Yeah. If it's not, and it's also, if it's not you, there's something about like, you don't tell, like, it's like the family, so you got to protect that person. Like, I think it's confusing if it's your mom, you know, Jill. Yeah, I something that struck me about that part too was also like, and I, and I found myself being very like crude about it. Like I had texted Sam about it before. I, I basically like burst out laughing when she said that she was like opening up about her mom having depression because I like I felt that way where I was like, uh, we all have debilitating depression right now. Like the fact that like that would be like a thing that you open up about. Um, felt like laughable to me before she mentioned that like her mom was in the hospital and tried to take her own life and like yeah. all that. And then I was like, okay, I got it. So like, whatever. After that, they kind of just really quickly closed the book on it. And she's like, anyway, she solved it and we're done. Like she's not depressed anymore. And I was like, wait, what? That's what confusion goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, also like where's where's mom's depression cure, babe? Like, can somebody yeah. FedEx that to me in my house right now? <laughs> like, we need the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, truly. Like this medical advance. Like, please bring it on. I, I was so jarred by the idea that her mom that she just said that like her mom like solved depression basically because at, like I have already mentioned it about nine times as a person who has been very depressed throughout the pandemic I'm kind of like but yeah like babe where's the vaccine I could tell you I've had depression in my life I'll tell you what's been help- helping me like in this insane lockdown when the boogeyman was to come mm-hmm. and I don't I I'm not very consistent with it. So on it's only it's only been a few moments of first of all, this helps. I enjoy this. But um I find if I have to, I have to do some kind of physical exercise where I actually sweat more than a walk. Um and it has to be early in the day so it's just done. That has helped me. And I know this sounds crazy, but I've been doing jigsaw puzzles on the weekend and I'll tell you why it's helped me. I can't go on my phone. I can't go on my computer. I can't go on social media. It focuses me. There's a simplicity to it. I'm like looking for like, oh, that's the zebra stripe. Where are the zebras? Like there's literally something that is like really lowering the bar in life right now of like, I don't need to say, even like having the book come out. I think that's like, well, I, as a pandemic, I mean, like it would have been fun to do a book tour. That's not like, I'm just going to try my, try to be nice to myself. It's not personal. The pandemic's not personal. It's, and it's been, it's getting a little exercise trying to put my, like, cause I can tend to be a real night owl and to stay up way too late. Like I see where I make it worse is when I stay up, like when I stay up really late, I eat mm. like shit and I don't move around. And so it's been like, all right, I'm just going to treat myself like I'm a child and get, it's just tricking my crazy brain. I don't know if that helps at all. Sam, it does. Wait, but do, do you feel like you're not depressed now? Like you don't feel like you're like depressed in core? Um, I it definitely my brain comes and goes. Like I, I feel that I have 
the tools to, if I, I almost feel like if I take my own medicine, which is, I also don't eat sugar anymore. So when I, when I ate sugar, I felt really, really, it chemically made me like really depressed. So that, and I mean, I just run anxious. I just do. And so I think that and getting some exercise, I'm really scared of COVID. Like, and so I, but I do need other people. So like, this is a fun way to socialize. Cause it's also like, we have something, we focus on it. I'm not looking on my phone. Like I'm, I and I, and I'm a nervous person. So I get, it's a safe way to get to know people. And then, so I have this every week and then, um, it comes and goes, but those are the things that, yeah, I feel a lot better than I, I used to have really bad depression and I would say it's gotten a lot better with that stuff. That's great. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to hear that whenever I hear like, you know, reports from anyone who is kind of like walking through this relatively gracefully and like doing the right things to take care of themselves, I'm like truly God bless. Cause I feel like I'm doing everything I can. And still every day I'm like, what is the point of anything? And people are like, it sounds like you're depressed. And I'm like, yeah, well, like, you know, a joy went away overnight. Like literally the world shut down. Like, like who, who isn't depressed? You know what I mean? So I'm so impressed by people who are, who are not. Well, that's, I mean, I've certainly had my moments and I've certainly had, I think for me, it's also when I do get depressed, I get so depressed that it's like, I'm willing to act my way into right things. Like if I let, because it's also, if I add that onto a pandemic, like it'll take me so far that, yeah. that um, I, I, I also just keep thinking like, okay, it's not my best day ever, but I'm not going to make it worse. Like just, and I just really see, I think after also just walking through my mom dying last year, it was like, I, my body, you know, I, I just had a horrible year and it was still okay of like, oh yeah, who do I want to be with? Like yeah. I still had, a, it was a right. horrible year, but it was still okay. So it's like, I actually kind of rehearsed this last year where it's like, okay, like I need some, I need to walk a little, I need I do a yeah. little gym class online. Okay, who, what friends does my, like, what, what, like, my body tells me, like, when I talk to somebody on the, like, who don't I want to call back? And then I just don't. Like, who do mm-hmm. I want to call back? Um, what, what do I, and I allow myself to change my mind, you know, like, what seems fun? And, and that, I think walking through my mom really, you know, because life was really good last year. And so like, I, I didn't want to miss out on like, you know, so it's, it's not pretending the pandemic's not happening, but it's also like, it, I don't need to make it personally and rub my own nose in the shit of it. It's like, yeah. All right. I find it in some ways, a little bit of a gift of a detachment from my own ambition of like, I hate when people are like, so what are you up to? What do you have? It's like, there's sort of a breather of like, Nothing like I've got the book on like my podcast to my book, like, but that, that nobody's, if somebody's doing that to you, they're a dick and walk away from them in the pandemic. Just like, yeah, like, like I haven't had a break from my own ambition in so many years. Like the beauty, the freedom of that. I'm tired, you know? So there's a sort of a pleasure of like, I'm not going to set the world on fire. I'm probably not going to be on the bestseller list. Like I'm probably not, but like, I hope people like my book. Like it's been, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do because I think that sounds I'm, very healthy. Because very of healthy la- I think because recent. of walking through last year. Yeah. 
And even literally watching like, oh, I started watching, you know, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. And it really was a great thing, but it scared me. So it's like, oh, I, yeah. you know, it's like, you know what? I'm going to watch Mary, the Great British Bake Off. And like, I'm going to watch uh, Indian Matchmaker and I'm going to watch Bachelor. Loved. Like, Oh, my God. Loved oh. Indian Matchmaker. Loved. Favorite, favorite new show. Loved. Really Loved. a gift in core. Uh, so that's what, so to me, it's like. Knowing that I have good instincts and I'm allowed to listen to it, like that, that my in, but I've, I've sort of like, there's some people I just can't deal with right now. And I'm not like just listening to my body of who, who do I want to be around and who do I not? Cause I have also knowing I'm more tired than normal. I'm really tired mm-hmm. right now. So like, yeah. Okay. So I need to take a nap. Like, it just, that's helped me. That's helped me if it's at all useful. No, that's like really helpful to me. I mean, like I'm so like open ears to anyone who wants to tell me how they're like managing a day. But I do feel, I mean, I feel like you and I have talked about this before that we have like a similar brain. I run very anxious. Yeah. I know that physical exercise, like physically sweating, um, like helps me. Yeah. Um, I also like tuning out where I can only focus on one thing, like a puzzle or something. Um, but yeah, I think that my issue is like actually putting it into practice. Like I have to like make a routine and do it and I never stick to it because I'm tired. Well, I also just want anybody listening to know like all of this, it, I, it's organized chaos. Like it does, it sounds, it would look like I'm walking in circles, but like just allowing, you know, done is better than great. You know, like I wrote my book in like 10 minute, 15 minute in the beginning, like, cause it was too painful. Eventually it got more, but I, you know, I didn't sit down and write for five hours. Like, you know, you spend some hours on like TMZ and like, you know, just, just the reality is like, I'll wear my gym clothes all day. I literally printed out a calendar and I'll give myself like a sticker or a star when I actually even just go for a walk, like little reward oh. things of like, because otherwise I don't want to do it, you know? So it's, it's, if for anybody out there, if this is remotely helpful, like, and, and literally things like this is just silly and fun and, and it feels connected. We love, are we have the best listeners? And like when people email us that, you know, everyone is having, I think everyone's having a hard time. And so it's nice, you know, just, I don't know, to not, it's okay. You're, how about, nothing's wrong with you if you're having a hard time. It means you're not a psychopath. Like you should be having a hard time. It's scary and sad. And like, it's normal to have a hard time right now. To me, like, it's not, I'm not thriving, but, but I I think it's perfectly okay to be anxious and a little worried right now. Yeah. Okay, great. I do my nails, shit like that. I, I wash my hair like twice a week. You know, I love but- that talking about Jillian's mom got us onto this like really like productive, <laughs> fruitful, ultimately positive note of talking about mental health in like a really clear way. Well, and I did have a lot of compassion for her because my dad was really like secretly in and out of the hospital a lot when I was a kid, and like no, like and I and I was never allowed to tell anyone, and so Don't I tell think, anyone. Yeah, and so and I think that still goes on. I think in some families, and so I understand like, and you're the fun one. Everybody thinks you're fun, but like. If you if you're a little kid and you have to go say goodbye to your parent in the hospital numerous times and like, you know that'll affect you. I think there's still a lot of places where people don't talk about it within communities or families. So I I actually related to her, and 
And then when I saw present day, I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay, here we are. We're back. That was our that was our uh, goop uh, self help <laughs> portion. <of> the, <laughs> our self help. Actually, I've never listened or gone on goop, but I know people love her. Okay, we're not. All right. So. Um, here we are. So she's got two kids. Jillian has just canceled her her wedding, her engagement, um, and then her her son asks for a bumblebee. All right. So here we are. We're down to the final two, Molly and Melissa. Melissa was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Um, I noticed. I I think that Jason Mesnick might be a short bachelor. They seem to generally cast tall guys, um, which again. Who here would make out with Jason? I wouldn't seek it out. Matthew, he's your top. I like short guys too. So that works for me. Great. I love this for you. I I thought Jason was a short king and I would make out with his face. I think I would probably make out with him once and then I would not want to make out with him again. Sometimes he looks like a good kisser and sometimes he doesn't. Like depending on the girl, it like he did this thing with Shannon where like kind of like the pity kiss or whatever that for some reason my friend calls milk bottle kisses because it's like, you know, when like someone like drinks something, we used to know this guy that used to drink, when he drink out of bottles, he put his entire mouth over the bottle and then like drink it. Yes. And that's how he kissed um, Um, Shannon, which made me feel double sick because it was like, oh, she just threw up and now he's covering her her entire mouth with his mouth. But then other times- worked for you because you are I saw that. That was a gross kiss. I saw that kiss, and I actually was like, "Ew, I'm not into that kiss." Like, Anna, for example, oh yes, Matthew. I would say Ari. With yes. Ari season, he made me feel I couldn't watch it because anytime he kissed someone, I felt I felt physically ill. Yeah, because no, the I way he would. I did not like. He was a wall kisser, but not in a. I like a wall kiss, but I didn't a like a wall kisser. Style. He loves as his movie push you up against the wall and kiss, which sometimes was exciting, but not from Ari. Anna. Oh, it made me feel sick. Bottle kiss. Uh, I have no memory of of Jason kissing. Honestly, I think I would like not pay attention in that moment. But also, he looks a lot like my boss, and I can't really move forward from that. Right, I, you can't move forward with that. So here we are, the final two. Melissa, she danced for the Cowboys for a few years. She just got her teaching certificate. I feel like the ladies that have the teaching certificate, like they don't have them anymore on the show, and I feel like they're like a great contestant for the bachelors. Like, like what's more adorable? Like, you know, they don't do that anymore. Um, but what she- is more? Okay, I have a question. What? Who has the most power on the Bachelor? The dental hygienists, the medical sales representatives, or the um, people with a teaching certification. Okay, it's going to start out. The um, the medical Great sales question. person is going to actually. The other women are going to hate them, but they're going to get. They're going to go to the fantasy suites because they're going to be sexy. The, okay, cool. Um, the dental hygienist is never going to make it. Um, except wait, for, really? I think the teacher. The, the teacher is going to be the one that like their family wants them to pick, but they're going to want to end up with the medical consultant, like the sexy one. The medical sales representative. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That's that's a. I've never met someone with that job title out in the world, but that is ninety yes. percent of. Bachelor contestants. They're hot well, ladies that have suitcases on wheels filled with pills that go to doctors. I'm so into that. Slash, want to make a career for it. Damn, you know that. about that. That's I, your. 
That's your future career. That's your future career. So then, so then they go, they go to his house. It's like a houseboat and they, they can see his son sleeping, but they can't meet his son. She's like, I want to give, I want to more. I have lots of love to give, you know, she has insecurities. It's scary when you could love somebody. I'm head over heels. Her eyebrows were really, her eyebrows, you were texting me, Sam, about her 1996 eyebrows. And, um, he just, he just uh, was crazy about her. So then this is, we're now done. We haven't done the proposal yet. Then we meet. The other one is Molly. She's a department store. Do you want to talk about Melissa Sam? Um, Melissa. Well, I had a lot of thoughts and feelings about Melissa. Um, I, first of all, I thought Melissa had maybe the most satisfying glow up of anyone yes. on the entire show in terms of the before and after. Melissa looks fantastic. Yes. Um, even her background was very like sort of clean and crisp, but looked like she was zooming in from a WeWork. I loved it, but that was definitely yes. her house. Um, and I really, um, I just felt like her eyebrow game had really come up. Um, she looked very like happy, joyful, and confident. Um, and I felt like given how humiliating the ending was for Melissa, I was really glad to see how she had sort of advanced in the world. It felt like her station in life had really shifted in a great way. Did she have three kids now? Was it three or two? Three? She, had, she had many kids and her husband. At least three. Okay, well, well, okay, so then we have Molly. So we'll get to the breakup in a second. We have Molly, the department store buyer. This is when I, I was like, I'm Molly, because I first met Molly because she was singing the karaoke song. And I was like, oh, I, I felt that that was me. Then that moment of Molly singing, that would be me singing. But then I didn't know she's like the golf. I'm not into a golf guy, Um, but she was fun and cute. She's a good kisser. I can't get enough of Molly. Um, And then she had a lot of questions for him. She's like, what was your favorite period of time in your life? I actually felt like she was fun. She was engaged. I liked her. Um, He's like, I'm actually already in it. So he already has a kid and um, she's in love with Jason. She's in it for the long haul. And then she says with a little premonition, aren't you afraid of picking the wrong person? And then realizing, oh my God, I want to be with the other person, which was an interesting thing to say. And then she says, I really think I'm falling in love with you. And so she wrote a book for him, which is always the kiss of death when people make them like scrapbooks and stuff. It never, she made him a book. It was a book for Jason. Um, And I was, again, it looked like she'd done her own hair and makeup. It wasn't that great. It was not Instagram ready. I feel like the gals now have done every YouTube, like they know how to like get it done. And um, he goes and he talks to his mom. So, so now we're down to two women. I thought Molly would, I actually liked both Melissa and Molly. I thought they were sweet. Was there either of the two you were rooting for? Matthew. When I watched this, and I don't remember why exactly, but I was team Melissa when I was watching this when I was younger. Yeah. But upon rewatching it last night, I was full force team Molly. Okay. And I don't, I, I don't, I actually prefer, I, I think Melissa looks great. I totally agree with the glow up, Sam. I thought Molly's glow up was equally as stunning for me. Um, and I don't know why I feel like, you know, we, they're always pitting women against each other and you feel like you have to choose one. I, I remember at the time feeling very pressured to pick one. And yeah. I remember be, be, fe- feeling fierce about my decision. I'm a Melissa person at the time. But last okay. night I identified as a Molly person. Jill, were you a Molly or Melissa last night? Well, I just want to say that I feel like all of the women actually had like enormous glow ups. Like I thought that like every time we saw one of them 
in present day, I was like, oh my God, they're so much more like articulate and like lucid at least. And like so much prettier. I don't know. I just like, I thought they all did a great job. Good job on growing up ladies. Um, I think that I liked Molly more, but I think that like the bachelor tends to do this thing where like they want to put like the two, like the two people who deviate like the least yeah. from the norm together so like the bachelor and whoever he chooses like are end up being like the most normy that you can be and so i think like with melissa she you could tell she had like a little bit of an edge i don't want to say like a screw loose or anything but like she, she there was something where like she could snap and so that to me like knowing that feels like well i should have in theory liked melissa more than yes I, I i relate to that you like um, a little pepper in the pot yeah, but I think that because I do watch the series and I know how it ends and therefore like my I feel like it is a competition. I'm like, oh no, it, it has to be Molly because like that's what the formula is. So we get down to the it's to, we're down to the proposal day and uh she gives him a hug and and he goes, Oh my god. And then she goes, Before you say anything, this has been the most incredible journey that I have ever been on, and I wouldn't take a minute of it back. Um and then he goes, looking at you, looking at me with those eyes. And she says, you, he, he says, you have me. You have me locked in. You are stunning and you are amazing. I don't know how I could ever let you go, which is not really what somebody wants to hear who's about to be broken up with. No, no. And he says, but I have to. I never, ever want to say goodbye to you, but. I'm in love with somebody else. And then he walks her in her belted purple dress out. And, <laughs> and uh, he says, she goes, I'm so, he goes, I'm so sorry. And she goes, I actually liked her that she had her own back. And she goes, I don't understand. I just, yeah. I think you made a mistake. I think you made a big mistake. I like that she, it didn't feel rude. It didn't feel crazy. It felt esteemable. Um, and she goes, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it. And he says, look, I truly care about you. She's like, well, I think you made a huge mistake. I think you're going to end up hurt again. And he goes, and he says, well, I think you're wrong. And she says, honestly, I hope that I am. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're happy. And then they have this long eye contact. And he goes, I want you to know that everything was real. I started falling in love with you early on. Always know that. So then he starts crying. And crying and crying and crying and crying. He does the mesnic. He goes up to the famous glass balcony where he sobs, cry me a river over the thing, weeping and weeping and weeping. She is shocked. She is in the limo. I think he made a huge mistake. I thought I was going to move to Seattle. And she said, I just thought he would be so much smarter about it. Huge mistake. He's going to learn a lesson the hard way. Okay, we're not in the studio yet, but we're right before that. Sam, what do you have to say about all that proposal, Michigas? Well, the first thing I want to say is that I really like Molly. I was, I felt very Team Molly in this moment. I love that she refused to be gaslit by him. I yes. love that yes. she did not retreat into um, self doubt. Yes. I love that she very confidently was just like, "No, you made a mistake, and this is wrong," yes. and yes. she did not let his um, dumbassery kind of shake the foundation of her self-knowledge. I really respected that. Yeah. Um, I want a um, glass balcony to cleave to while I weep. 
And I think it's fucked up that I don't have that because I feel like when I'm having just like a complete meltdown and um, just need to like double over physically as I sob and wail, I want to have a sturdy glass railing to grip onto instead of just like being on the floor or being on the couch. You know what I mean? I want to just Jason in this moment. I pictured a frozen dead dove in a bag, keening, weeping, holding onto a yeah, glass balcony. That is literally me. That is what exactly does cleaving what I mean? I loved the use of the word, and I'd never heard it, and I liked it. I feel like you you cleave like it's it's like it's like clinging in a fierce way. You I know? loved this. I mean, like look at did I use that word the correct way? I'll take like- it. No, make it. Let's just own it. Just own it like Molly owned it. Let's. I think it's a real thing, Jill. How did you feel about the crying, uh, the cleaving on the balcony? <laughs> um, I, I I agree. I think like the more the more I move away from capitalism brain and more towards a socialist brain, I believe that all of us should be afforded the opportunity to um, cleave to a, a glass balcony. Yes, that's right. Yes. yes. Okay, here we I go. Think we should all have a, a glass cleave wall. But uh, but what I would like to pitch <laughs> is if there if there were on the railing like a soft padding for the elbows and like the forearms for when you cry mm-hmm. yes. it was frustrating for me watching J- jason i almost called him brad watching jason cry a cle- against his cleave a cleave cry wall, his cleave wall was that it was it was clear glass you could see through which was exciting but it made me feel uncomfortable with his arms laying on an actual like pane of glass it wasn't mm. it didn't seem like it was built for the cleaving like if we can just get and I'm, I'm actually being genuine here if we could get like a soft like more than just like a foam roller on top of it, but like Sam, my wish padding, for you to like you have your cleave wall is a is a padding for the elbows and for the forearms. Cause it'd be more comfortable for the amount almost, of time that we're gonna spend there. Like in gym class when it was like the gymnastics mat, like the landing. That's exactly what you need. Like after the yes. vault, but the landing, because you're gonna be crying a lot. You're gonna be cleaving a lot on the cleave wall. Yes. So it's gonna be you're gonna need like a squishy, all weather resistant. Just a cleave wall that you can, that's got like squishy filling yes. that it can rain on from both your tears and weather. Because clearly you're going to be in a houseboat in Seattle. All right, we're yeah, going to we take need a- that stimulus check and $600 a week. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to land this plane talking about a really, really crazy ending. Ooh, I don't know about you, but things are getting so hot in here. I think I gotta take a pee break. Okay, you guys, here's the thing. They, Anna, Katie, back me up on this. They acted like this was so crazy and that nobody ever did this in the history of The Bachelor. How is what Ari did any different than what Mesnick did? Katie, Ari, I know that he, I know that he did it in person at the after the final rose, but like Ari was after. But he, but, but Chris Harrison oh, said he's the, he was yeah. like, the only guy that's ever done this. It's like, oh, no, you mean not. like the modern day Chris? Like yeah. These things. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking that too. I was like, Ari did the same thing and he did it on live television as well. Like, yeah. you know, so I don't know. I, I guess Jason was the first one. I don't know. I guess he was the first one and that's what he meant. Okay, so here we are. We're back at the proposal day. Here comes Melissa in her square French tip nails. And he is he's literally just been sobbing, sobbing like a widow in World War II, like just 
just gut wrenched, devastated, keening, and then sobbing like me after my first husband dies. Sobbing like Sam after that plane went down when the when the captain when yes when the plane went down, just like just oh sobbing, and then he's got to get it together, and here comes Melissa, and um. He goes, it hurts so bad sending Molly home, but I have no doubt in my mind that Melissa's the gal, and I can't wait to put a ring on her finger. Everything that's going to... So um, he's like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime find. And he goes, I came here looking for somebody exactly like you. So she was everything on paper, and here you are. I am completely in love with you. And she was very cute. She goes, can you hold on for a second? And she did a little spin. She goes, I love you, I love you. I love you with all my heart. I'm the happiest girl in the world. Mrs. Mesnick. And then they jumped in the pool in their clothes. Like, they were actually really cute. And Ty sort of jumped in. She's like, it's unbelievable. We're starting it. I I felt like, okay. Like, she seemed nice enough. She was a cute gal. Like, I was, okay. Even though I liked Molly, I'm all in. I'm going to, I don't have a problem with Melissa. Melissa seems like a nice person. So, after the final rose, which is very strange, Anna, Katie, back me up on this. No audience. No audience. Weird. Anna, I think it's because they knew that he was going to do the switcheroo. But don't you think it would have been so much more like better television with an audience? I would. I think that's so much more cruel to... But they're the meanest yeah. people on earth. I, I thought they would have wanted an audience to, ooh, Adam. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the Hunger Games. Um, but I kind of feel like back then they just didn't have audiences. I was trying I to remember gotten, their seasons. They've gotten meaner, I think. They've gotten meaner. Yeah. So, um, so then he's like, wow, it's been a crazy time. He goes, what's on your mind, Chris Harrison? And he's like, well, I came here to find someone like Melissa. And since it all ended, things have been different. We were not right for each other. We saw each other often. We saw each other a lot of the time. We went on holidays together. We spent the holiday, like we went on vacations and holidays, but the love and the passion, it just wasn't there. Things were different for me. I haven't been able to stop thinking about Molly. I knew at the time that I was making the right decision about Melissa, but there's a piece of me, a huge piece of me that was like, hmm, maybe I'm still in love with Molly. I tried to push it down. And Chris goes, have you talked to Molly? The, or he's like, no, no. The final, I was trying to just be all in and um, I have to follow my heart. What would I tell Ty? You got to follow your heart. I got to tell her how my feeling. Um, she never asked for this. So then Melissa comes out looking cute and she goes, so, and he's like, look, we all know things have been different. Things have been different. Chemistry has changed. We're not right for each other. She was like, what? She goes, I don't believe you. I thought like, what? And she's like, something happened. Okay. You have to tell me like, what did I do? He's like, no, no, no. And then and he goes, look, I have still have feelings for Molly. He's like, have you been talking to her? Um, and then this is when it got extra great. She starts talking about herself in the third person. She goes, because you chose Melissa. You put a ring on Melissa's finger. You told Melissa you loved her and Melissa that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with Melissa. But you don't want to fight for Melissa. Oh, 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 you should know better. Good luck. Why did you put a ring on my finger and engage? You took that from me. You took that from me. Oh, I wish you would have just let me go. And then he starts crying. And uh, so we're, we're up to that. Let's talk about that before Molly comes out. 
Who wants to discuss the amazing revelation and the Melissa monologue? I know. Jill, take it. I I loved that part so much. I do feel like I feel like Melissa probably doesn't remember any of that actually happening. Like I feel like you can tell that she was like in like she had entered a fugue state where a she fugue state. Yeah, where she started like she left her body and was talking about like her like her form and not like her like she was not Melissa anymore. She was talking about like you did this to Melissa. And yeah, that I, I don't think that she probably remembers any of that actually happening. So that must be chilling to watch back. Um, but it was re- it was really fun to watch. It was great television. Sam Lansky, I know you were there for this. I know you loved it. Well, the first thing that I want to talk about is um, when we, during the, the sequence where they jump into the pool and the whole thing happens at the, what is it? Is it the final rose ceremony? Is that what it is? That what it is effectively? Oh my god! I use the right language and everything. Um, Fascination <laughs> rise up. Um, I noticed that Jason looked really good for the first time because it was the first time that his clothes fit, and I was really impressed by that. The suit was well tailored. Um, the jeans were not cavernous. It was just like it was all like a good fit, and he looked really good. Um, that's the most important thing that I wanted to call out. Um, the second thing is my favorite moment of the Melissa breakup sequence was when she kind of whispered under her breath, bastard, which I thought was really good and cinematic and definitely something that I want to start incorporating more in my interpersonal conflict. You can Um, only do it if you're in a setting like the Southern lady's house. The present yeah, day that's, house. No, that's a really that's that's exactly where I'm going to do it in my in my sharp objects reboot. Um, <laughs> the other question that I wanted to ask was um, Bachelor Nation. Maybe I'll pose this question to you all. How do we feel generally about Chris Harrison? I now was Anna. Were you telling me that you were starting to get over him? Somebody just texted me. They're they're starting to get over. I. I've gone on a roller coaster and now that I've watched all of these seasons now, cause I, cause I was, I haven't only been watching since Caitlin's season. So these, it's really just been a few years. There's something he's so believe he's so good at his job and he's so believably likable. And I don't know if that makes him really dangerous cause he actually seems like a nice guy. Um, but then there's a party that's like, I used to not like him, but now I'm like, maybe he actually is a nice guy. I can't tell. Matthew. I think he's the devil. I think he's Satan. <laughs> I think he's like Caesar Flickerman from the Hunger Games, where it's like, just to be the puppeteer of all of this, you know, um, pain, I feel like it's become torture porn over the last few years of The Bachelor, maybe subconsciously. That's why I stopped watching it so much. I feel like, I know this is a heavy statement, but I feel like if he were one of the like QAnon Pizzagate people, I would totally believe it because he seems like one of those people that like has a dirty, nasty, dark secret that like he's a lizard person under this like bag of skin. I just like don't trust him inherently. I really felt the same way, but now there's a, I've kind of come full circle. There's a part of me that's like, oh no, you're one of them. I fear that he might just be like my milk toasty uncle, you know? Like I, I think, maybe 
Yeah, there was. And I think about the real, his... I think the real puppet master is like the Mike Fleiss creator, like yeah, like totally. the Devil Segment producers, the produce, like the people in the control room. But he's now, the willing. He's yeah. like the willing medium between all of that. I want. Right. I'm curious, Jill and yeah, Sam. Do you guys think he's a bag of skin, or do you think he's milk toast uncle? I was more. I was more concerned. I think with the scripting of his remarks from quarantine as he was teeing up these segments i feel like he was very hyperbolic i feel like he really wanted me to believe this is going to be the most shocking three hours of television i've (laughs) ever seen and while it was i would say satisfying and dramatic what ended up happening i feel like he like if chris harrison's bar for the most shocking thing that has ever happened is that like (laughs) Chris Harrison, I've got some content to show you. Like I've got some, you know, I mean, let's, let's, I don't know. Let's talk about seasons one and two of insatiable your show are like, I've seen some some shocking things on television. Yes. I don't know. I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. I can't finish. It's so good. I mean, Katie, I don't know that this man just being like, actually I made the wrong call is like so shocking. And I guess I felt, I felt misled by Chris. I felt like I was starting to really develop a kind of like, you know, a a unilateral rapport with Chris. Obviously he couldn't see me, but I was feeling like, okay, this is someone I can trust. This is someone who's going to sort of take me by the hand and lead me through bachelor history. And then to be sort of gaslit into believing that this was going to be this like psychotically shocking ride. But if it's your milk but toast it uncle, it was anticlimactic. If it was your milk toast uncle, this would His be shocking. Low. This would be right. shocking for your milk toast right. uncle. Anna, Katie, what do you guys think of Chris Harrison? You've spent a lot of time with him. What do you think of him? Um, I agree that he has perfected um, kind of this a very aggressive interview style of trying to get the answers that makes like, I could never do what he does. And I think that's why he's so good at it. He is um, kind of what Matthew was saying. Like he's, I don't, I don't even understand what's going like, I don't know what happened to bring him to that level. Like over the years, they, like he drank his own Kool-Aid of like, yeah, I can, I can do the, or make the drama happen. I I can ask these questions and I can make everyone I'm talking to incredibly uncomfortable. And sometimes I really hate to watch it. I hate when he's digging. It really (laughs) bums me out. And I'm like, just leave it alone. Katie, do you like him? um, He's changed a lot over the years. Like when I feel like when the show first started, he was much more sincere about everything. And now I think he just like when he always goes, this is the most dramatic season. He ever. can't stop. It, well, it's, like, it's such a joke now. Yeah, like it's yeah. such a joke the way he says it. That um, I think now I think I think there is times during the interviews that it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, dude, you're just like setting them up. But I don't hate him. I don't know. I, I, I he's grown on me. It's, I like him I now like, again. I like him enough, but I think I do like him more. I like him now that he like kind of just like he he like understands he has this cushy job and it's so easy and he just like fucks with it and he's just like you guys this is really the most dramatic season ever and he just like I like that he like tees it up like that. I think it's funny. So then we get to see Melissa in her house. Melissa. 
Um, she has glowed up. I didn't love her sleeveless turtleneck, but, um, you know, she did glow up. She looks great. She was emotional and shocked. Um, you know, she has three kids, nine, six, and four. Um, and uh, so there we go. So then they bring out Molly, and Molly goes, when I got cut, it was the worst week of my life. I was feeling sorry for myself. I still had feelings. I was still in love with this guy. I need closure. That's what I need tonight. I need closure. Like, so I want to know, when did you know? I've never cried so hard. When did you know that it wasn't me? Um, he's like, I don't have an answer for you. But like, she goes, well, what did you know? And he's like, well, I just need you to know that Melissa was just out here. And I ended things with her. Um, I haven't been able to stop thinking about you. My heart is somewhere else. I have to say, she kept looking at Chris Harrison like, wait, what? Like, she was like, what? She literally was the look of shock. You could tell she was chemically in shock. Um, he's like, maybe we could, you know, see if we have a shot, like have coffee or something. And she's like, but um, what about Melissa? Like, he's like, what I did with her was horrible. She's like, can we still have today? Or, and he goes, are you still in love with Molly? He goes, yeah. She's like, I am very confused. I still have a lot to talk about. I like that she wasn't right away. Like, she was like, what the fuck? And then she's like, look, my feelings never went away. But I think I, we just need to consider, like, where did this go? Um, and then they cut to their wedding where they were in a wind tunnel from hell. And there was so much rain and umbrellas all over, but they just barreled it out and um and then he shows us we see him present day and he like looks like he's wearing no pants and he shows us some cracked knee that happened and she had to hide in the closet and uh but i was like why are you showing like put some pants on like you're not wearing pants for this and uh they talk about the full mesnick and uh we find out that the, the daughter has the crush on ty and then the, and then chris harrison wants to renew the vows and you know I'm glad they're still together. It didn't feel like there was like still sparks, but they've been they've been married for ten years. Um, all right, I saw Matthew's hand up. Matthew, uh, I just think that sequence was so riveting to watch because Arden, I don't know if you feel this way, but as an actor, sometimes I watch reality TV trying to find the realest moment of something that happens, and it, yeah. as you're watching reality TV, it's kind of like. Uh, um, a, a search you're like going through a maze trying to find that one nugget of actually something real happening and the yeah. excitement from watching that real thing is why we continually turn in and it's yes. always like a test of what's real and what's not and I feel like Melissa and Molly for lack of a better word were both so real and so yes. you were just like anticipating their reaction so Molly's reaction was she was so blank on her face and us as an audience, we're just like hanging, waiting for what she's going to say next. And how is she going to react? And her looking to Chris and her like carefully choosing how she was going to say what she was going to say. And her, we watch in real time. Her process, this huge thing was so, so entertaining. I it was really something. I knew yeah. it was going to happen and I was on the edge of my seat. I know. I was. I have to say, I like that she did not give it away for free immediately. Sam Lansky. No. I could not agree with all of this more. I thought it was hugely compelling to watch Molly process this in real time. I loved how confused she was. I loved how like totally genuine and human her process was. And I also think that like, because so much of reality TV is so heavily produced and narrativized and scripted to watch someone have a really shocking life changing experience. That's that totally authentic. Like there is no way 
she had any idea what was coming. And you could tell from the look on her face that she was like having this really authentic experience because it wasn't kind of like big and cinematic. It was like, you could see the wheels turning as she just looked back and forth from Chris to Jason Brad trying to figure out like what the fuck is going on. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was very, very gratifying. And it made me really, really like Molly. And then I was very happy to see that they were still together. Jill Gutterwitz. Yeah, no, I, echoing all of that. I mean, I just kept trying to like put myself in her shoes. And I just kept thinking like, you know, of all the like, so many of us have endured so many different heartbreaks. And like, when those happen, like the only thing that you want is for that person to come back and be like, just kidding. All of those months of suffering you did were actually like, you're getting rewarded with this works out. And I just kept thinking, I was like, this is like the thing that everyone hopes for. Like when everyone is like in their most like, you know, curdled suffering state, they're just like, he's going to come back. And then he like comes back. And so I, 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 all of everything you just said, I agree with, but like, I also saw it as like the moment somebody gets rewarded in this way that you never it's a actually great way to put it. Out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know it. Cause it never happens. Never, never happens. Um, well, what you guys have been, can I just say the tribute episode for our first rookie ever three rookies who yeah. are the rookie what a rookie outing. This was a great, uh, Anna, Katie, would you agree? This was a wonderful rookie podcast. You are all welcome in the Will You Accept This Rose podcast family. Anytime you just cannot watch, you cannot write, read spoilers. If you want, we don't do spoilers. So you have, you'd have to watch and we can have, I maybe, promise. Oh my God. What a joy. Um, guys, we now have 709 stars and we really, really appreciate it. We're trying to get to a thousand. So uh, if you haven't liked us before and you don't even have to leave a review, just go, just go put some stars. But if you feel like leaving a review, even better. We got two really funny new reviews last week. This is a five stars with three hand claps from Morgan Batts. And they say, we're still crying over the Folgers commercial and the exclusive round table Casey concert. I have to say, Jerry and Lori really struck a chord last week. We got so many fun comments on Instagram, so many emails about Jerry and Lori. I love that you guys love them. How, what, Katie, you said you got a lot of people reaching out to you about last week's episode. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of people being like, oh my God, they were so funny. They love the songs. They love their rapport. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were a hit. They're so funny. Okay. And then we have, uh, we got another great review. This is uh, five stars. The subject is Casey, songwriter of the year from Kettle Potten. I've had what I'm now calling, quote, Casey's theme stuck in my head for the past day. And honestly, I'm not mad about it. Lori and Jerry are such fun, wonderful guests with a fantastic dynamic. And I cannot emphasize enough how much I look forward to their episodes. I was refreshing the Apple Podcasts app all Wednesday, waiting for you to discuss Claire quitting The Bachelorette. What a peach that one. Anyway, thank you all for doing the Lord's work and keeping me entertained and laughing. I've been listening to old seasons I never watched because I can't get enough of Arden, Katie, Tana, and friends takes on the craziness that has Batch Nation. I tell Anna this all the time. Every time I see you guys write out Tana 
it makes, I'm going to talk like Sam talks. It makes me feel so seen. The fact that people know that Anna is Tana, it makes me so happy. Tana, how do you feel about it? I love it. It's, that's my other being is Tana. Tana, like Tana's living her best life. Tana is like honey badger. Like Tana don't give a shit. Like that's just Tana. Yeah. I feel like Tana's like a superhero. Yeah. We also got, we got so many nice emails and I need to reply to a lot of you. Can I just say, like, I read all of them. I really do. And, and it really means a lot. And they're so heartfelt. Like we just have the best listeners and that is not an exaggeration. I, I appreciate the honesty and the heart that you guys put in. I just feel I, you know, it's what we were just talking about earlier with Sam. Like, I feel like, I feel like I'm doing okay in this quarantine and this pandemic and through last year on very much in large part because of you guys in the podcast. So selfishly, I thank you and I appreciate you very much. It is all of your emails and stuff really do mean a lot. So here is one book receipt and a review from Stephanie Ness. Dear Arden and crew, please find attached uh, receipt for pre-order of Little Miss Little Compton purchased at my local bookstore. Can't wait to read the book and I hope I win a prize. I hope you do too. Oh, you know what? I'm going to pull three more, three more, uh, Shirts right after this. I look forward to your podcast every single week. It is truly a bright spot for me in these crazy times. It's my first year of motherhood. And as an owner of not one, but two small businesses, 2020 for the win. Anyway, I love laughing along with all of you, especially when Anna gets giggling. And I've had the melody to Jerry's mumble singing from the latest episode stuck in my head for days. Thank you all for providing the best, most joyous escape for me every Wednesday. Love from North Dakota, Stephanie Ness. Anna, people love your giggles. How do you feel about that? That's great. I mean, Jerry was killing me. I can't even explain how hard I was laughing. I was crying. I had to like wipe my eyes with like a random napkin I found on my desk and I wasn't sure where it came from, but I had to. All right, here's another. I'll just do one more quick email. Here's one from Matika Levy. So excited for your book. Hello, Arden and crew. I'm sure you get a lot of emails from folks, but one more couldn't hurt. I love, love, love the podcast. Thanks, Matika. I started listening during JoJo season. It has truly enhanced my bachelor, bachelorette experience. The podcast makes me laugh out loud, though not without repercussions. One time I was listening to the podcast and drinking my coffee on my way to court in the morning, and Arden did an impression, which I wish I could remember, that made me laugh so hard, coffee came out of my nose and landed on my suit. Appearing in front of a judge with a coffee-stained suit on was worth it because the podcast brings me so much joy on a weekly basis. I purchased your book on Amazon. I can't wait to read it. Your stories are hilarious, and I can't wait to read them in long form. Please consider myself for any future drawings and giveaways, and thanks as always for doing the Lord's work. Matika, it is our pleasure. You are fully in the running, and I'm going to pull three more names right now, Sending out t-shirts, sending out t-shirts. All right. Kelly Douglas, you're getting a shirt. Okay. Oh. Jessica Kleecamp, you're getting a shirt. Exciting. And, and Mallory Duckle, you're getting a shirt. Four shirts for the week. Next week, a bougie bag. Keep them coming. The earlier you get them in, the more chances you have to win. Rosepodcast at gmail.com from any bookseller, anybody you like. Okay. Matthew, Sam, Jill, will you help us pick a tweet of the week? 
Yeah. Of okay, great. So if you want to play along and next week for Tweet of the Week, you just uh, tweet at Anna and I on Twitter. It's at Arda Marine, A-R-D-E-N-M-Y-R-I-N, or at Anna Hosnier, A-N-N-A-H-O-S-S-N-I-E-H, and then do the hashtag W-Y-A-T-R. Here are our Tweets of the Week, and we love when you guys tweet at us. This is from 3D Dorito at Jashal. Um, Okay. Ugh, anybody else ready to move on from French tip era bachelor? Or am I the only one that's also spent too much time in early Real Housewives of Atlanta this week? <laughs> wow. I will say I seeing the French tips was uh, triggering for me in like a, an, an emotional way that I didn't realize that it was because it's such a timestamp. So that's very real. Well, I also want to say this, I, is, a, this is a two-parter uh, tweet. This is a tag oh. team. Somebody replied to her. Alexis Madden replied to her and wrote, every time I see French tips, I am reminded that it seemed like it was the only way for Karens to do their nails. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number two, 3D Dorito at Jashall. Wait, did this fantasy suite date start with golf with his child? What a sexy date. <laughs> and somebody wrote, replied, gay bachelor bitch, wrote back, golf makes me flaccid. <laughs> That's real, real because I feel like when people say golf, a shiver goes yes. down my those were two mm-hmm. tag team. Those are two duo Tweet of the Week nominations. All right. Mm. Here's another duo Tweet of the Week nomination. This is from Kendra at Kendra, Kendra Condra. Why the fuck is everyone wearing jeans on these beach dates? Are they not briefed on where they're going? Or do they just love wet denim clinging to their legs for hours? <laughs> um, you called and, it, Arden. You called it. And then Kendra also replied to herself and said, also still relevant during the proposal, but chiffon gowns and suits, and they keep making these kids suffer through this. <laughs> I don't know what that means. There we go. <laughs> Okay, this is from Kathyist at WTF Kathy. Okay, so this is only going to make sense to the people that watched Rachel Lindsay's season. Okay, I think we all owe Dean's dad an apology (laughs) for worst hometown. (laughs) I have to say, I enjoyed that. Okay, this is from Miss Miss Reminiscence at Miss Reminiscence. Chris Harrison, is there a family there? Why don't you bring them all in? Brings in entire family and kicking and screaming and squeezes them into frame. Chris Harrison, well, I can see you've got your hands full, so I'll just let you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. We're going to narrow it down to two. I'm going to let you guys pick the two. Jill. Um, I really liked that last one because I also thought that like it was like he had no joy when he would watch these families. He'd be like, oh, that's enough of that. All right. Um, All right. I'm going to do that. Maybe French tip. Do we feel that French tip? Or do I'm we feeling feel French like- tip and I'm or- feeling wet denim. Ooh, God. There's so there's I also like wet denim. I also like flaccid golf. Oh, yeah. I like I like French tip. Okay, so wait. I right, like so- French tip. I want to affirm the the observation of French tip, but I would like to reject the premise, which is that we need to move away from French tips. All right, so I feel I'm like we need do- to bring French tips back. Right, I'm oh, so wow. like French tips. I'm going to do French tip wet denim. Here we go. So here we go. 
Number one. Are you okay with that, Jill? Are you okay with French? Okay, so we're going to go 3D Dorito at Jash Hall. Ugh, anybody else ready to move on from French tip error bachelor? Or am I the only one that's also spent too much time in early Real Housewives of Atlanta this week? And Alexis Madsen, every time I see French tips, I am reminded that it seemed like it was the only way for Karens to do their nails. Mm. And... Uh, Kendra at Kendra Conda. Why the fuck is everyone wearing jeans on these beach days? Are they not briefed on where they're going? Or do they just love wet denim clinging to their legs for hours? French tip for wet denim. Jill. I'm going to have to say French tip. I really just do like it as an observation. It's, okay. such, a, it's such a moment in time. All right. Uh, Matthew Scott Montgomery, French tip. I know I gave my whole French tip speech. I know I talked about it already, but I'm currently absolutely haunted by the idea of wet denim. And I feel like it'll keep me up at night if I don't vote for it right now. Okay. So we've got, we're, we're split down the middle. Anna, are you French tip or wet denim? I'm going to go wet denim. Okay. I'm going to go French tip. So we're even right now. Sam Lansky. I'm going to go French tip. Katie. I don't want to go wet denim. Wet denim. <laughs> oh my god! I like right. it. Also, it sounds terrible. All right, so I'm going to let Sam and Katie do one, two, three, shoot, rock, paper, scissors once. Once we're going to make Wait, it okay. fair. Okay. okay. One, two, three, shoot. Wait. What? Wow, oh wait. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were counting up. Yeah, to rock, I paper, thought scissors, so too. Not doing yeah. it. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, shoot. Okay, you both did scissors. One, two, one more time. One, two, three, shoot. Okay, Katie Levine won. Katie, Katie won. Katie, what a rock. Okay, so what did you pick? Katie? I said wet denim. Okay, so I like winner. That one. Look, I thought it was fun. We're nothing if not fair. Kendra at Kendra Conda, you win. Why the fuck is everyone wearing jeans on these beach dates? Are they not briefed on where they're going to and what they're going to do, or do they just love wet denim clinging to their legs for hours? You guys clinging. Uh, Everybody should go order Sam Lansky's both of his books. Oh, you're so sweet. Start with The Gilded Razor, end with Broken People. You're not going to, I mean, they're beautiful books. They're fun books. Like, they are entertaining reads and they're meaningful. So it's both. Um, um, where can people find you, Sam Lansky? You can find me at Sam Lansky on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and wherever books are sold, consider buying from an independent bookstore in your local community. You can order from anywhere. Jill, where, anywhere. where do you, what would you have something you want to promote and where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Jillboard, like billboard, but with a J on Twitter or my name, Jill Gutowitz on Instagram, or I am in the woods. You can find me in the woods and I'm never leaving. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. I love this for you. Matthew Scott Montgomery, where can people find you? Um, you can find my Instagram at Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery. Um, I'm also on TikTok while it still exists, Matthew Scott Montgomery, and then YouTube as well. Just my name. I, I'm always His posting. Videos are so shit. funny. He's so funny. I highly recommend <laughs> the journey oh, down. You. Go, go scrolling. You're not going to be disappointing. Tana, Katie, where can people find you? I'm just at Anna Hosni on Twitter. I'm at KT underscore Money on Twitter and Instagram. <gasps> 
I'm at Artemarine, A-R-D-E-N-M-Y-R-I-N. If you go on Facebook, you can see what we're giving away. So next week, I'm giving away another Little Miss Little Compton canvas bougie tote bag that is not a cheap, shitty tote bag. I went for the fancy ones that are so cute, that are so cute. So get your entry in now. Come on. Those are so cute. It's so cute. Come on, it's so cute. It's you. It looks just like Rosie. Oh my god, it's me. So um, (laughs) it's me, a dead dove on a bag instead of in a bag. It's a dead dove on a bag. You can email us the receipt at rosepodcast at gmail.com. You guys. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Have some fun in your house. Do some jigsaw puzzles. Go for a little walk. Treat yourself like a king and queen. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Gonna get all up in you tonight. It feels so good. I just got one little question for you, girl. Will you accept this role? Accept this rose into your world. Oh. 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 This Rose is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.